Hello, beautiful people. It is Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. Massive show for you today. I mean, honestly, it's a massive show. There's nothing really I could say right now that can top what's about to come. We have incredible conversations with humans that should not be having these conversations with me, and I'm incredibly lucky that they are, and even more lucky that you choose to listen to this show. There's a lot of stuff you could be doing right now. Obviously, a lot of different options for content. The fact that you're choosing to allow me, the boys, and our guests to penetrate your ears I'm eternally grateful. I'm also very, very thankful for our friends over there at Roman, who are telling you if you're maybe having a little quarantine fornication sessions, you know, why not switch it up and put on a show in the bedroom? (laughs) Roman has created something called Roman Swipes that you apply to your baby maker Moments before love is about to be made. It'll dry. It won't. Chuck's just peeing in the house right now. It literally, you might have just heard that. That was Chuck peeing on the floor. Hey, good work, man. Really appreciate what you just did there. What are you coming over to me for? You, you just can't pee in the house. You know what I mean? Like, hey, hey. You can't do what you just did right there. You hear me? You, you just can't do it. We have six other animals. None of them have the same problem as you. Don't you walk away. None of them have the same problem as you. They all do their business where they're supposed to, but you, you're fucking loose fire hose out there. Gonna have to fix that. And for you, the problem that you could potentially fix is that uh, you don't last long enough in a sack. And that's what Roman does. They ship you discreet packaging, Roman swipes, small enough to fit in your wallet. Nobody knows it's even coming there. Maybe put it in your bathroom. You get free two-day shipping when you use promo code USA and $10 off at GetRoman.com forward slash USA. So whenever it delivers there, you get it, you put it in the bathroom, okay? You're going about your day, you're scrolling through blah, blah, blah. When it comes time to Netflix and chill... You go in there, you get the Roman swipes, you rub them on the shaft, it'll dry, won't transfer to your partner, and you have the longest sex of your life. All right. I mean, I don't know what else you could really ask for from the people at Roman Health, but they do. They have things for everything on their website at getroman.com forward slash USA, promo code USA to get $10 off and free two-day shipping. I mean, there's some hair stuff in there, some skin stuff in there. Obviously, the Roman swipes, which are game changers in the bedroom. A lot of options. All right, let's get to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Hall of Famer, founder of NXT, the King of Kings, Cerebral Assassin, Mr. H, Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Paul Levesque, Tara Ryzen. Ladies and gentlemen, Triple H. That sounds like a lot of people. That sounds like a lot of people. I'm not sure about your social distancing right now. (laughs) We have nine people in here, but we are spaced out. And in Indiana, you're only allowed gatherings of 10 or less. We fit the code perfectly over here. You're good. All right. All right. You're good. Uh, Just making sure. I'm ensuring your safety, Pat. Well, I appreciate you looking out for me. I feel like... Uh, there's only a couple people creating content right now. We're one of them. 
get up and a couple people at ESPN are creating some stuff. There's some other live shows. But everybody was wondering about what you guys were going to do, right? Whenever all the leagues were getting postponed and moved, the XFL was the last one to kind of make the decision to postpone. Then WrestleMania was obviously a topic of conversation because you got people traveling in from all over the world. You guys make the move to the Performance Center. You're still putting on live shows without crowds. How has the thought process behind all of this gone? Did, for the XFL delay, was that because you guys wanted to get more information and kind of see what was happening? And then for WrestleMania as well, I know how big of a deal it is for everybody in the wrestling world. How has it been for you guys making these decisions? Yeah, you know, I think it's been just like everybody else. We've been kind of just seeing what's going to happen. And, and this stuff is all changing so rapidly that it was almost tough to make a decision. I can't speak for the XFL because I really don't, um, you know, it's a separate thing from us. But for us, you know, it's hard for me to even think about it. On on the 11th, we were doing an NXT show out of the Performance Center that uh, we, we had a scheduling conflict with Full Sail and we're doing it out of the Performance Center and had set it up to do it. And uh, it was with a crowd and everything. And on the, on the night before or the afternoon before, as I was headed in there, uh, I called Vince and I was like, man, it just seems like with all this stuff going on, should I just leave all this up, the seats, the the everything, just on the off chance that something cancels, we could get everybody into Florida, we could make you know some quick calls, fill this place with people, and at that point, it wasn't even a thought that they wouldn't allow fans in there, you know. And um, but you know that it was that day, but within 24 hours, uh, everybody was headed to Florida. You know, it was it was so quick and rapid that everybody was just kind of making decisions as it happened and went forward. And one of the things that is beautiful for us is, you know, you can take the live event aspect of it and traveling. But if we have TV cameras, a facility, it, it, you know, in this case, you're not you're not having fans there. You can still do this. You can still put on a show. Unlike a team where you're traveling mass amounts of people to multiple locations and having them play a lot of other people on another team and their their people are traveling. And, it, it, you know, all those things become riskier and riskier and riskier. We can do what we're doing right now, which is go into one location. Luckily for us, we have the performance center and what it was designed to do. Um, we can have our medical staff working with the government officials and CDC and, you know, everything else to follow the proper guidelines and, and make sure we do this in the, in the best, safest way possible. But screening, um, checking people out, keeping them apart from each other, uh, having talent only come in in waves and do what they do and then leave and, and you know, limiting the amount of people that are there, even for, from a production staff standpoint, much like you're doing right now. Um, there's a way to do it and there's a way to... Um, make this happen with our business and we can work around it. We can change it. We can script it how we want it to be. Um, and, and really continue to do what I feel like right now is probably one of the most important things other than people's health and safety is giving them something to be entertained by giving them an escape, giving them a conversation that isn't about, um, this virus or, uh, you know, all the all the things that are going badly, the economy, their jobs, just forget about it for a minute and watch something else and get lost in it. And, you know, that's when I feel like WWE is at its best is when you can, you know, like anything, you can criticize, you can sit there and overanalyze, you can break it down, you can, they did this wrong, they booked that wrong, they, uh, you know, 
just if you if you're in the pinch of sit back, turn on your TV, sit by yourself or at least six feet from somebody else, <laughs> make some popcorn and just relax and enjoy it and hopefully be entertained and we can put a smile on your face. Then to me, that's one of the most important things right now is giving people that escape. I agree. I, I've said that we're, we all have a role in this thing. Obviously, there's people that have to stay home. There's businesses that have to shut down and there'll be a brighter day, hopefully on the other side of that. But I feel like our job is to dance monkey dance. I honestly feel like if I can be an escape for somebody who's in the middle of a quarantine or a lockdown and they're just in the middle of a miserable time and they have no idea what's going to happen in the future. If I can say something stupid into a microphone for a couple hours a day and you enjoy it, that's awesome. That's why I think you guys continuing to do shows is not only noble but awesome and for people that don't know the performance center is a facility down in orlando florida that has been creating superstars at a rapid rate there's everything in there there's a gym there's multiple rings there's doctors there's every single thing you could possibly need that performance center has turned into a godsend for you guys in this moment absolutely i, I you know I, I shudder to think what we'd be doing without it right now because it, it, you know, while all those things that you mentioned, it was also designed to be a content creation facility. And um, we've used it for this, uh, for this exact thing before. Uh, a year ago, I can't remember who it was, but when the Super Bowl halftime show was a band oh, that yeah. was necessarily not liked by most people, I guess. Um, <laughs> we, we, <laughs> it was Maroon 5, I think it was yeah. Maroon 5. Yeah, Maroon Yeah, 5. Maroon, that's right. It was Maroon 5. And, uh, <laughs> So, you know, like them or not, right? But there was a lot of people panning that decision. So we said, you know what? If people don't like that, we'll give them an alternative. And we put on a Super Bowl halftime show at the Performance Center that did incredibly well. Um, you know, and, and, and we've done that kind of uh, live content out of there before. That was part of the intent of the building. And in these moments like this right now, it's, uh, it's worth its weight in gold. And, and, um, We've created uh, an, an opportunity and an environment where we can continue to entertain to the best of, of our ability right now. Everybody's limited in what they can do, but to the best of our ability, we can continue to do what we do and hopefully entertain people. Uh, you had an incredible Friday Night Smackdown. I mean, you... You shut down the internet. You shut down everything. The world was looking for an escape. An old school Triple H was on commentary next to Michael Cole with no fans. You were running camera at one point. You uh, put a Sharpie on his face. A lot of people are saying the legacy of COVID-19 might be mostly negative, but getting Triple H back on commentary is one of the plus sides of the, its legacy of COVID-19. I, I was putting on my best Pat McAfee I at that it. moment. I doing, doing whatever... Um, <laughs> You know, I think you and I have had this conversation uh, multiple times about, uh, you know, in, in the right environment, we can both do idiot very well. Right? <laughs> so, uh, you, uh, you, you know, it's a funny thing that show, it all came about so quickly and, and we're down there trying to produce this event. No fans, um, everybody, no one knows what's going on. Nobody, everybody's doing their best of the ability to pull together our staff, our crew, our talent, um, I'm, I'm trying to produce this show and keep everybody going and all this stuff. So we knew we needed a reset for me to come on the air and tell people what's going on. Please just sit back, relax. Hopefully enjoy this. Um, I get on commentary for Cole to continue the reset. But by the time I get off commentary in that first segment, it's blowing up. And as I'm walking off to the side, everybody is pulling me back going, don't take the headset off, man. You got to go back out. There. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> awesome. Do the rest of the show. And I was like, I don't want to do the rest of the show. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You know, they talked me into it, so I went back out there. And then for me, 
it was just, all right, like, well, I'm not going to be very good at this, so I'm just going to play the idiot. And uh, Michael Cole, I can't say enough good stuff about it. He takes a lot of criticism, uh, Michael does, m- much like any play-by-play or analyst in any sport. Um, he gets a lot of it, but the man is incredibly gifted at what he does. And for him to be able to continue to do his job, continue to do it in the manner he was doing, keeping all that show together at the same point in time, letting – being the butt of my jokes and rolling with everything. He didn't know half the stuff I was going to say, you know, when I was going to say it. Um, he literally took off after one of the segments and then came back, and I thought to myself, hey, you must have to go to the bathroom or something. <laughs> the elimination <laughs> chamber, yeah. That was, a, yeah. Hey, that was incredible. Um, we had Joe Buck on yesterday, uh, and he talked about how social media has been rude to him. Like, he he's actually, like, dealing with it. I feel like he wrote a book about it. He's now yeah. diving back into social media because when you're a play-by-play person or when you're somebody who's on television in front of millions of people, which, by the way, Joe Buck is, WWE is, multiple times a week, there's a lot of criticism that could potentially fly from yeah. people that have access to a platform right on their phone. It doesn't matter what they are worth in real life. They could be complete scumbags, complete bums, but if you create an account on Twitter, you have a place to voice your opinion. Yeah. You guys have to deal with that on a very regular basis. How much do you account for that type of stuff? You know, it's that's a tough uh, balancing act. And and I think that you have to, um, for anybody, for a talent, uh, you know, I've heard it say that like uh, the one of the hardest things in, in entertainment or in any kind of field like that, the hardest thing to prepare for is fame. Um, you, no one, there's no... No one teaches you how to deal with that. No one teaches you how to be a part of it. And it goes from the greatest thing in the world to a, a very difficult thing to handle. And and how do you deal with it and, and handle it? And, you know, I had situations in my life where I watched people get tore up by it. And, you know, one one minute they're the greatest thing in the world, people's popular opinion. And, and five minutes later, they're the worst thing in the world. And it tore them up and it and it ate them alive. And I thought to myself, like, wow. You really can't, you can't let it affect you. It's very easy when people are saying you're great to go like, yeah, that's right. Uh, you know what I mean? Well, they must be right. Everybody's saying it. I must be great because five minutes later when they're saying you're a piece of crap, you, yeah, you, and if you're going to believe the first, then you're going to believe the second, right? And that's tough to deal with. So you just, you know, I think staying humble to it, just doing what you do, if it's successful, it'll continue to grow, um, whether people love it or hate it. It's it's also one of the things about the internet that I think is um, challenging for talent is that you can also be selective of the voices you listen to. So if you really want to, you can block the people that think you suck and like the people that like you. And eventually, if you look hard enough, you will find just a bunch of people that think you're the greatest thing in the world. And you'll listen to them and think that you're much better than you actually are. Well, there's, um, and, there's, there's a lo- and the other side is true as well. There's a lot of people that only follow people with like-minded uh, ideas and ideals, and that's a kind of a downfall of social media. To be honest, whenever you're just flooding, 100%. when you're just flooding yourself to fill your own thoughts, I mean, that's an interesting decision. But it's the world we live in, and in the world you live in now with creation of NXT. Okay, NXT is by far the best sports entertainment product on earth. I mean, getting a chance to be a part of it, the shows are just outrageous i mean the athleticism is insane the storylines in the ring and out of the ring i mean it's a cirque du soleil show that meets a comedy show that meets drama i mean nxt your baby has become this massive force but with this creation obviously you have an abundance of talent 
How do you figure out and balance all the incredibly talented human beings that you not only have at NXT, but in WWE as a whole and find spots for them and pick and choose what's going to happen? I mean, it has to be a very tall task, especially for the WWE, which is basically a family business that has grown into an international billion dollar operation. Whenever you get big, everything you do is in a, in a spotlight. And I'd assume the way you deal with different storylines and talent is just another thing that you have to hear about. It, it really is, you know, um, it's it's a tough balancing act in that everybody at a certain point in time thinks as they should that they're the best and that they're the guy and that they're or they're the the, the woman or whatever that is and that if they were just given that ball that they would be able to handle it you know and and take it to that next level um sometimes you're right sometimes they're wrong sometimes you don't see it um to me you know Vince takes a lot of criticism for things um, mostly unfairly, I believe. Uh, they don't give him credit for what he's created or, or the legacy or the the longevity of it. Um, but one of the things he taught me is you put yourself in the seat of the fans, you can you can never go wrong. And it, But it, you have to put yourself in the seat of the majority of fans, not in a segment of fans, not in a small pocket of fans. If you do, then you just appeal to that small pocket and that, huh. that, that little grouping. It's got to be the majority. You can appeal in some ways at different periods of time to different groupings of them. But overall, you've got to appeal a little bit to everybody and you've got to do what is right for the majority, the majority of the time. Um, that's a tough, a tough thing to, to do. And um, I can tell you from my vantage point, it's very easy to sit back. Uh, and you know, this from sports, very easy to sit back and be the, the Monday morning quarterback or the, I don't know if I just used that phrase right. You I'm did. Hey, sure. hey, yeah. big football guy, Triple H, yeah. big football yeah. guy. I, I wasn't even sure what inning they used that in. The first <laughs> time. Um, but, but like, um, when the decision is yours to make, man, the the amount of second guessing and the the difference in agreeing, going like, well, I would have done this, really, because when it's your decision and everything weighs on it, that's a completely different conversation and i guarantee you anybody that's put in that spot when they then have to make that decision and everything counts on it and it's now theirs will second guess it till the moment it happens um it's it's a tougher spot but but you do the best that you can you're not always going to see all the everybody's uh positives you're going to do the best you can to do it you're going to try to you utilize talent and see it the best you can you want to balance out the shows have some stuff that's humorous have some stuff that's serious have you know, fly-in guys have uh, larger guys that can do things. You know, it, it's a, it's a bit of a um, a variety show in that manner. You do the best you can, and and you uh, having the the talent where you can give them the ball and let them either run with it or fumble it or do what they're going to do with it, but then uh, capitalize on what they do right and help them get through what they do wrong. Hey, when they hit a home run and score a touchdown, they really run with that ball well, don't they? They do. Yes, they do. <laughs> I think Sometimes, like it's like a hole in one. <laughs> Look at you. Big sports guy. Um, I think wrestling promotions are ultimately judged by their pay-per-views, right? I think the storylines week to week on cable uh, are massive, but I think the pay-per-views are how ultimately wrestling promotions are going to be judged. That's just the way it's going to go. All the moments come from pay-per-views, WrestleMania, SummerSlams, and things like that with NXT, TakeOvers, somehow 
always one up themselves. It's like the I asked you that talent question because it feels like in NXT it's a real team effort. I feel like that performance center has become like a team in the locker room. If you're not on the field, you're still pushing somehow. It feels like NXT is this rising phoenix in this whole entire world. And takeovers are incredible. You've had to make a decision now with WrestleMania being a two-night event at the Performance Center this weekend. People can get it now on Fox, I believe, on WWE Network and on pay-per-view on Saturday and Sunday night, three nights, three hours each night. But TakeOver now is not happening WrestleMania weekend. It is now happening tonight and next Wednesday, if I'm accurate. What should the people expect from this? Because if it's anything like any of the TakeOvers that people might not have seen on cable television or haven't had a chance to see, it is going to be insane. And I would assume that's going to be the case here for the next couple of Wednesdays for you guys. Yeah, you know, this this coming Wednesday is a triple threat match between um, Keith Lee, who's a North American champion, uh, defending the title against Dominic Dijakovic and Damian Priest. Three big guys that, you know, th- this is one of the things that I think that NXT does extremely well. We offer that variety of, of what they all are, of what they can all do. And these are three big guys that are Keith Lee's uh, 340, I think, Dijakovic's is uh, like six eight, uh, Priest is six seven. Massive. They're all they're all in c- creeping up on the three hundred pound mark or you know two seventy ish, um, but yet can do stuff that I've never seen guys that size do and and the emotion and and everything else that they bring to it, that will be a spectacle. You know when uh, when we were first putting this. Um, this takeover together, I had a conversation with Keith Lee where we were talking about different scenarios. And this was month ago, months ago. And he said, you give me Dijakovic and priest. I'll give you the greatest big man match the world has ever seen. Let's go. So that's happening tonight. That is this Wednesday. Um, And uh, you know, it's tonight. I mean, come on, tonight. I mean, geez, you're in quarantine. (laughs) It's tonight. Yeah. Yeah. In, uh, in quarantine times, it's not a (laughs) straight line. (laughs) I understand. A lot of people forgot what day it is. That's tonight, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, in in the following weeks, there will be various... Pat, are you wearing pants or are you just wearing shorts? Because I'm, I'm concerned that it's a... Yeah. All right, you have shorts on. Yeah, I, look, with you, I don't know. I just want to make sure you have some kind of pants on. I was on television. Uh, I forget. It was ESPN or something like that. And I got a text from Stephanie McMahon that said, are you wearing pants right now? And it was jeans. I was wearing jeans. And she was almost like offended that I was wearing jeans. She was like, I thought, yeah. you, I thought you only wear jorts. I was like, so uh, yeah. that's on I didn't old. even know that you owned long pants. Actually. It was cold. It was cold. I had. I, 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 was, I was soft. I had to put the pants on. Uh, that's on me. But next there's, couple there's, weeks. There's, there's a joke there, but it's a family joke. <laughs> That's um, not actually, but yeah, I got you. Yeah. Uh, so uh, in, in the following weeks, next week, there is a, uh, a ladder match with the women to determine the number one contender for the uh, NXT Women's Championship that will be at WrestleMania between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. This will be the match to determine the number one contender for that, the ladder match. Um, also, we are doing a match between Tommaso Ciampa and... Um, Johnny Gargano, which will be... They're going to kill uh, each other. They're going to kill yeah, each other. Yeah, and um, it's its in a... What we did is a unique location, different location, just the two of them, empty warehouse. We put Drake uh, in there as a referee, which is ironically right now, everything is sort of kind of in an empty warehouse. But um, <laughs> this is very unique, and it's a unique way of looking at it, shot differently. I, I think people are going to be... Uh, are going to be excited by this uh, when they see it. It's, th- this match will be unique, and these two, uh, 
I, I've never seen them have a bad match Ever. either together or against each other. So um, it'll be a spectacle for sure. And then, you know, as the rest of the card boils down, there was some of it we couldn't get to right away. Over the following weeks, we'll look to deliver the rest of it and, and continue storylines as we continue to uh, to bring you NXT weekly and, and uh, stick within the storylines, you know, and, and going forward. Um. I, I, I want to wrap this up because you probably have other th places. To go. What is always in? Is that water? Because I see the guy bring it to you every day. No. So this is a, uh, it's a funny thing. <clears throat> I, I, I like, you know, drinking water to stay hydrated, but I can't just drink plain water all the time. I won't drink it. It gets boring to me. So I make uh, Joe DeFranco, my trainer named it meathead lemonade. It's something <laughs> that I came up with. It's uh, it's just lemon juice and stevia and Himalayan salt. You got to mix it in the right mix but i make a gallon of it every day and uh and i drink it all day long so it's it's like a meathead gatorade so to speak it's, it's just uh no no uh no byproducts no you know chemicals or anything like that just natural but it tastes good and i like it last question you are a meathead i mean at the end of the day you're 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 drinking, aren't we all yeah you're drinking meathead lemonade at this stage yeah. but you are an international businessman at this point. That is what you are. In the world that we're in right now, how are the conversations going internationally? You guys do business in Europe. You do business in Saudi. You do business in China. You do business everywhere. How are those conversations going? Are they evolving? Like every day, are you on the phone with people to see how it goes? Yeah. Or has it been kind of like a yeah. standstill? Yeah, you know, people people forget even even that, uh, you know, like I have, I have a lot of athletes, or WWE has a lot of athletes sitting in the UK right now. With NXT UK, we have a brand there. I've athletes sitting all across Europe uh, on lockdown, just like everybody else. I'm trying to figure out how I can, uh, hopefully, as as sanctions ease up there, how I can get back into production of that show. We're going to continue to put that show out um, right now in in various formats, but uh, how we can continue to go back to in ring performances as uh, soon as we can. Um, but when you look at the rest of the world, it's it's everywhere. Uh, to your point, like, for example, India with us, we just finalized a, a new deal in India, but um, India's on full-on lockdown right now. People talk about how bad it is here. They're on lockdown, like, military lockdown. Yeah. Where if you if you leave your house, they have the right, the military has the right to arrest you um, if you're on the street. So, that, I mean, it's it's um, it's it's worse there, and, and um, you know, they're trying to prevent it just like everybody else's. So business around the world is changing Um I, in in some manner, it's hard to say. I don't think the world is going to be the same when we come out of this, and we will. Um, but the world, the business world, the sports world, um, everything is not going to be the same. Everybody's trying to figure out how they can get back to normalizing, but nothing will be the same normal it was before. It's I, all going to change. Everything. I, I agree completely. We have to get to a break, uh, I think, because we missed one earlier. Before we go, though, uh, you're one of the greatest judges of talent I've ever seen. Did you see this? Please, Zito, play this, and I would like to see your judgment. That is six foot four, because I got lifts in my shoes, 260 pounds of man right there, climbing up to the top rope, terrorizing. Tell me your thoughts here. I love the slow-mo. Thank you. It's majestic. It's like uh, poetry in motion, people are saying. Stone Cold Steve Austin looks impressed in the background. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I, I, I will say, look, that that is uh, that is some big man stuff right there. Um, that's impressive. And I know, Pat, you have been, uh, been working hard, training hard. That's impressive. <laughs> uh, yeah, look at it. It is. It's like an onion. You peel that, that – uh, you peel that fabric – 
back. Nigga. Oh! oh, still got it. You still got it over there. Still got it. All right, we got to get to a break. Uh, Mr. H, I can't thank you enough, brother. I can't thank you enough. Uh, let me know if you need anything. Everybody there, stay safe. Keep entertaining people. We're going to keep doing the same. And uh, whenever you need something, give us a call. We'll be there. NXT tonight, 8 o'clock, USA. Let's get ready to suck it. <laughs> uh, you're, Triple H, you're the best. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to get to a break right now. Yeah. Triple H, founder of NXT, Woo. legend of the man. Uh, Mac and Hawk Sports Talk with a massive lineup of guests today. Potentially, in 14 minutes, the man that claims he ran 100 miles in one day, David Kilgore, will potentially be joining us if he gets back to me on the DMs. Also, confirmed, guest locked in for 29 minutes from right now. The voice of not only baseball, playoff baseball, and football, a man whose voice is synonymous with sports, he followed in his father's footsteps, legendary play-by-play -play man, Joe Buck. This is McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. I am the McAfee part. Sitting to my left on the screen is a handsome Ohio State legend, AJ. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Pat. The best thing about March 31st is that we get to look forward to all the fun April Fool's pranks tomorrow. Well, the good thing about April Fool's is it's almost like the world is living in one. You know? Like, <laughs> hey, fucking stay in your house. <laughs> Or you'll die, April Fools. <laughs> you know, like that's are there, are there going to be a bunch of dumb uh, April Fools like tweets tomorrow? Say, oh hey, things have turned. We flattened the curve. It's actually going backwards. Everything's good to go. Like, are there going to be? Is that an April Fools prank? Uh, Doctor Fossey comes out. <laughs> we have stunted the curve. No worries. It's going back down. Everybody, go outside and hug your neighbor. April Fools, fucking kidding. <laughs> it's only ramping up. Actually, it's getting even worse somehow. That's the life we're living in right now, one big April Fool's joke. Um, speaking of potential April Fool's, there's been numerous reports on the internet that the Miami Dolphins are ready to risk it all to move up to number one to get old Joey B, Joe Exotic, Tiger King, <laughs> Joe Burrow. Uh, how do you feel about this move, AJ Hawk? The Miami Dolphins seem to be very aggressive in free agency. They bring Kyle Van Noy down. They bring in a, a corner they paid a lot for. B-Flow wouldn't let them lose last year. Ryan Fitzpatrick is their quarterback. Let's not forget that Fitzmagic will win you some games out of Harvard. Them potentially moving up to number one to get Joe Burrow. Right move, wrong move, your eyes, AJ Hawk. Well, it depends, I guess, what you have to give up. I think I saw something you retweeted that said they have, what, six picks in the top 70 this year in the draft? The Dolphins do? That is correct. That is that is currently on the screen. You can't see it. The Dolphins will make an attempt to trade with Bengals for the number one overall pick per Armando Salguerro. Uh, <laughs> did I nail that? Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah. Miami owns 14 picks in this year's draft, including six picks in the top 70. They also have double ones and double twos next year. Wow, they got a lot of draft capital. I mean, what do they have to give up? Wait, let's say they would they have to give up those top six, their top six picks in this draft to bump up to number one and then possibly even a number one next year? You think they would have to unload, huh, to get up there? You think the Cincinnati Bengals, Mr. Brown, who is a notoriously good business, <laughs> you think he is going to expect at least – you think they're going to take all those picks to get to number one, or do you think maybe four of those six or 
half of those top six or a future one you think like what do you think it would the last time this happened in my eyes and now i might be wrong it wasn't even for the number one pick it was for the number two overall pick and that was when the washington redskins hemorrhaged everything that they had to the st louis rams multiple firsts multiple seconds multiple fourth round picks it was like five years straight of <laughs> basically just selling the soul of the team the redskins sent three first round picks and a second round pick to the rams to move up four spots to get rg3 there it is they sent a lot that way i think joe burrow if the miami dolphins want to get joe burrow the ohio kid out of the cincinnati Bengals organization which by the way people have said now, Joe Burrow hasn't said it, but people have said Joe Burrow could, in the world that we live in, pull an Eli Manning and say, nah, I'm not going to Cincinnati. This would obviously relieve the Bengals of that potential opportunity not to happen if that was ever any case of being true. Uh, but if this is an Ohio kid, the face of the franchise, what a wild move this would be for old Brown, who decides not to have an indoor practice facility. This would be even worse than that, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I guess the question for the Bengals, what do you have like between – Tua and Joe Burrow, like, could they get Tua at the fifth pick? Probably not, right? Uh, no, I don't think he's falling to five. Even if Tua you're talking about, yeah. I was just reading a, a couple comments here. They were like, Cincinnati should make them give up everything, says Derek Myrie. You know what? Let's think about this from Cincinnati Bengals not being inept, right? Let's, let's think about it from their standpoint. Andy Dalton, good quarterback. You agree? Agreed. Yes, I very much agree. Andy Dalton, good quarterback. I still think he's a good quarterback. So, But they have a number one overall pick, which means they stunk last year. Like, and they were trying to win. They were dog shit last year. I mean, they were a bad football team. The Miami Dolphins, everybody said they were tanking. The Miami Dolphins won games more at, at a much more regular occasion, obviously, than the Bengals last year. That's why they have the number one pick. So are they moving on from Andy Dalton regardless, or do they take all these picks and say, hey, Andy, you're still going to be our guy. We are going to load up right now. We have three number one picks right now. We have next year another number one pick. We have a new head coach, and we have no idea if he's a good head coach or not. Honestly, we have no clue if this guy stinks at what he's supposed to do or not. But we're going to load up with Andy Dalton going forward. Is that a potential outcome here if they don't take a quarterback? I guess that's what they would have to do, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, Andy's Cam still Newton. on the roster. Mm. Cam Newton. Ooh. Trade for Cam and Cam. then stockpile all those picks from the Dolphins. Cam's already been cut, right? So Cam's a free agent. So sign Cam and then what? You got to trade Andy away. Or are you going to keep Cam and Andy on the same team? Well, Cam and Andy, I think, get along really well. I, I, I think if <laughs> Andy. <I'm>, <laughs> oh, Candy Dandy. Uh, I don't know. I they, guess, I guess they could, would get along, but it doesn't make sense to have them both on the roster. Either you stick with Andy or you go out there and find a way to bring Cam in if you want to trade out of that first pick. But I don't know. I, if there was ever a, a lock to be number one, it seems like Joe Burrow, and it seems like the perfect situation. Like, with that being said, though, everybody's got a price, I guess. What's the Bengals' price to move out of that spot? If you get three number one picks, I feel like that is a potential. I, now, I have made fun of them. I said only the Bengals could make <laughs> this mistake. I've said this on numerous occasions. Getting rid of the face of their franchise in Ohio, kid. I think a lot of their fan base, by the way, would potentially turn their back on this franchise if they turned their back on the Joe Burrow selection number one overall. But if you take a step back with a little bit of reason, and there's not, you can't really do that with the Bengals because they don't make a lot of good decisions. So you can't really have a, you know, a reasonable uh, common sense thought. If you're getting three number one overall picks... 
for a guy that you're not 100% sure is going to be a great quarterback, and your team stinks already, and you can potentially build up a lot of parts, a lot of pieces of the roster, and potentially bring in Cam Newton if you're not going to do Andy Dalton. Is that not, does that not warrant a conversation at least? I think it would. Now, I think it would be stupid, but I think it would at least warrant a conversation. No, the, the Bengals should absolutely talk to the Dolphins and see like what they're willing to give up if they truly want to get to that number one spot. Now, we don't know also if this is just stuff being thrown out there through the media. We've spoke about that on the show before. Like This happens all the time where they're going to throw out all kind of weird things to try to throw people off the scent. I don't know if this is the case here, but it's, there should absolutely be a conversation to be had. And, and yeah, the Bengals may take some heat early on, but if whatever happens at the quarterback position goes better than last year and let's say you bring it i mean there's there's a lot of good quarterbacks that are going to be taken in the first round this year so it might it's not just two or joe burrow there's herbert uh what yesterday the utah state kid jordan love is out there gonna i saw a thing where he's gonna go in a mock he's going number six overall so you think hey if we really like this jordan love maybe we could get him at five if we move back from the dolphins or we take the dolphins number five pick so yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of questions i guess that i didn't as of four hours ago we weren't thinking about, but now we are when we hear the rumor that the Dolphins may want to move up. The Dolphins have enough draft capital to move, too. And they're a team that's been very aggressive. They want to win stat. I'm pretty pumped up about it. Or if you're you're the Bengals, you may just take those three picks this year, move on with Andy, and then you know the season doesn't go well again, and then you're sitting there at one again next year for Trevor Lawrence. Well, this guy in the comments just said that they should think about tanking for the next, I don't know, five to ten years and build up a super team. <laughs> Which is, by the way, what I think they've been trying to do here the last couple of years. The fact that they lost so many games last year, I mean, it was – was, and then they bench, bench Andy on his birthday. And then bring him back, what? Two, three games later. Come on back, man. We stunk without you. Happy birthday. Belated. <laughs> come on back. We need you. You're a starter again. We still have no indoor practice facility, and we stink. But come on back. We bench you on your birthday. Come on back. I think the scariest thing for the Bengals organization is the fact that they stunk that bad, and nobody really noticed. Like, who was talking about the Bengals being so terrible last year? Nobody. Well, the Bengals just always stink. You know, because Cleveland was imploding. That's why that took a lot of heat off of them. You're right. Because the Browns were just completely imploding because for the first time in a long time, expectations were all of a sudden high for the Cleveland Browns, which hadn't happened in forever. And the Cincinnati Bengals were just the Bengals, you know, so they both crash. The one that fell the furthest obviously gets most of the chatter. I mean, and that was the Browns for sure. You played for the Bengals. Is that right? Yes, I did. I played one season. Did that place just stink or what? I mean, we talked to <laughs> we talked to Carson Palmer. I asked him, I was like, you know, Carson, they say the Bengals, there hasn't been much change in that organization since you played there. And he pointed over and he said, there hasn't been much change in the Bengals organization since Boomer Esiason played for the Bengals organization. <laughs> is that legit? Is it just like an old school? Is, is that the way they view things? It's like, hey, you know, we're going to be a smaller team. We're not going to have as many scouts as other people. We're not going to have an indoor facility. We're not going to have good food. We're not going to do this. We are just an old school tough football program is that is that the way they view things is that how it works well i mean the brown family like they're they don't have like a side business that they made all their money in and bought a football team like the Bengals are their business and that's why their mike business brown's daughter, stinks <laughs> their yeah business well mike stinks. brown's daughter is basically running the show now her husband is involved like their front office i remember when i went there i took a little like free agent visit i guess if you call it and i spoke with mike brown he's like well you know we're this is a little different than a lot of, or than Green Bay and other places around the league. Like we don't have fancy titles for everybody up here. Like they don't have like the massive amount of executives up there in their in their offices like most teams do. But the good thing that Zach Taylor has going for him, I guess, if they 
are possibly going to move out of that number one pick if they if they get an offer they can't turn down. Mike Brown's going to stick with them. Like he's not going to cut bait early. Mike Brown hired him. He didn't seem like the guy. Like he stuck with Marvin Lewis for a long, long time, and people thought he should have got rid of him years before that. So I think Zach Taylor has some time if they do try to build and make it like not all in for this year. So he has a chance. But it is an interesting conversation to have. I just don't want him to pass on Joe Burrow. We, you know, we're not like the Green Bay Packers, aside from like winning and stuff. Like we, uh, we also we're a billion dollar business that doesn't have titles. We don't have executives. Uh, unlike they have them, they're just not as many, and they're all related. They all stink. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, I, no indoor facility should they should be banned from the NFL for that. Yeah, you could just put a bubble over one of the uh, practice fields. That's easy enough to do Caesar. So Carson, though, I got there at the right time. When I got there, they were just they just finished their new brand new weight room, which was nice, which they told me before that in off-season workouts, they would have to come in and work out by like position groups. Like, okay, linebackers, you're at eight. D-line, you're at 930 because they couldn't fit many people in the weight room. It wasn't that big. Come into now the I got shed. Come into the <laughs> shed. All right. One at a time, please. You'll bench. Then your friend will come in and bench. Then you will motivate. You'll get water. Then you'll come in and squat <laughs> while we're flipping the bench to a squat rack. Then everybody come in. Everybody's on a rotation. I mean, I don't know how. How do the rest of the owners not be like, yo, come on. Let's figure this out. Let's, let's, let's at least raise the standard a little bit. This is, everything's talking about protecting the shield. You know, like protect the shield. That's what they always say about players. Why don't they do that and expect more out of that organization? Well, why would the owners want to help the Bengals build up their organization when they're, it's their direct competition? Do you think any of the owners really view anybody as competition and they just want the NFL to succeed because then their pockets get big regardless? Of course they want the NFL as a whole to succeed, but it's like now if you're in the AFC, you're trying to build a team to beat Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So there's always the competition you're trying to beat. So like they don't want to help anybody out. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, it is a weird thing. It, since he's just run a lot different than other teams in the NFL. And that's just how it is. When I was there, it was great. I, I'm a, that's, that was my hometown team growing up. I love the Bengals. So it was different for me going there. And like I said, their facilities got better when I was there as, as well with their new lunchroom. What they were telling oh. me, like Andy Dalton would tell me about their old, how they used to eat in different ways, like just how they're just trying to shave money and, and save money in different areas. I got there and everything was cool. Uh, but I remember Mike Brown used to call it like, oh, you guys been to the new restaurant? Like he called it the restaurant where we ate, which was like your lunchroom. It was great, though. I loved it. Uh, did you, I mean, I feel like you owe it because you were a fan of them as a child. You, you probably wore a paper bag to the games with bungles on it as a child. I mean, they've stunk for a long time, AJ. I don't even know how you were a fan of them. I mean, how uh, you were a Bengals fan? Well, when you're a kid, like when I was a kid, I wasn't really a fan of like teams. I didn't care that much if they won or lost i cared about like players oh, if yeah. you would you ever heard of him boomer mm -hmm. sison like i liked certain individual players oh i love boomer boomer and geo <laughs> yeah that's the show now the other guy is he out of jail or is he still in jail his old co-host oh the guy who was selling them tickets that were fraudulent craig carton craig carton that guy was running a full operation they're like he would have never done that he's a good guy and then like a week later they're like he did that let's uh <laughs> let's distance ourselves from that guy quickly he like, got in deep and he could not get out like he was in so deep he was just trying to do things like a like a ponzi scheme he was just trying to do things to get out of the hole and try to get back to even and pay off his people and that usually doesn't end up well anytime you rob peter pay paul at some point peter's gonna come back kicking the dick <laughs> yeah is that in the bible mm -hmm. uh -huh. yeah it's a uh, fourth book yeah, second Genesis chapter s3 
Old Testament, right? Yeah, that's Old yeah, Testament. That's old. Okay. Uh, it doesn't feel like the New Testament. That feels like an orange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do we? Would you okay? Would you take Tua? Okay, I, I've seen all kinds of stuff. How Tua's? I saw our guy Dan Orlovsky with a great connection on Get Up this morning. <laughs> He that was he was trying to sabotage our, our, our show. Like for instance, whenever we had a radio show on Sirius, we did our first show live from Sirius, and it was a big day, you know. And we had an hour worth of bad callers. We thought other shows were sabotaging our show by having bad callers come in. Like I, how, what kind of bad callers? What do you uh, mean? Oh, just fuck it. It was just monotonous, long-winded. Couldn't even hang up on him because they were in the middle of a sentence talking about how sad something was. And then, bang, I'd hang up on him. Next caller, even worse. I felt like a radio show was trying to ruin our show. That's what I felt like Dan Rolovsky was trying to do to us yesterday with that fucking Wi-Fi. He was trying to ruin our show. He's been perfect, crystal clear on ESPN every single morning. It's almost like he's going to bat against the internet. And well, he, he was in a different room then. He, he wasn't in his normal setup that he is for Get Up. But he did throw a few few good digs at Ty and, and, and took care of some people and, and came in. Like you said, he is unapolog- unapologetic about being Dan Orlovsky. Like, that's who he is, and he is very comfortable in his skin. What did he say this morning? You were about to say something about Tua. He likes Tua or doesn't like Tua? Yeah, well, he was just saying how with all of, like, the medical Tua has gotten already and the video of him moving around, like he's saying, it, it doesn't look like health is an issue. So if you take the health off the table, which it's always a question. Like the durability is the question too. Will he hold up? Is his hip going to be able to wear the wear and tear of 16, 17 regular season games year after year? That's the question. But he was saying how good two is, and if he didn't get hurt, what would we be talking about right now between he and Joe Burrow? Would, would it be a much closer race? You remember Tua was a righty, born righty. His dad tied his arm to his side and made him a lefty. Did he want him to be a pitcher or what? Or did he just want him to be a left-handed quarterback? I don't know. I just saw it on a 30 for 30 where they said his dad was just like a... I know plenty of receivers that don't aren't like in love with catching the ball coming from a lefty. Really? I mean, it spins different. It's like catching a punt from a lefty. Isn't it different? Yeah, it turns over the opposite direction. So just... it, it Obviously, there's great left-handed quarterbacks that have played and guys have no issue with it. And Tua it's not going to have an issue. But I know there's, there's certain wide outs that just... When was Steve they got to get used to it? Yeah. Mike Vick is Steve Young and Mike Vick are the last Mark, Mark, Mark Brunell, mm-hmm. Mark Brunell invented Boomer Sison. Successful, successful, successful. Yeah, Boomer's lefty. Can we talk about Mark Brunell, the lefty, investing in uh, floating furniture? <laughs> I mean, that was a pretty good conversation the other day. So was that is that really a thing? Like a floating furniture? Was that one of his investments? Like one of his debts that he had to list on the bankruptcy filing? The, I, I heard it, dude. I was I, I was I heard it through the grapevine, man. I was told not to invest in floating furniture because Mark Brunel lost it all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hurricanes were even talked to it. Hurricanes, flooding, it's becoming a big deal. You put these floating things that pop out on your furniture as soon as it senses a little water and then all of a sudden you're just riding above it hey what are we doing we're couch riding we're crouch surfing we are not even in the water and then when the water leaves you just go back down kind of quietly and then you just kind of go back into place <laughs> that's a little better than i thought so it's something you strap onto your existing furniture in the house oh you oh, strap yeah. it on pal yeah, oh, yeah. oh okay i'm okay with that i, I would need it well, your work. TVs now are mounted on the wall. They, hopefully, the, the water shouldn't get high enough to mess with your t- I'd want that for my electronics so it doesn't ruin those. Oh, so like uh, you would want like an Xbox floater. Oh, I yeah, I don't, have an, I don't have an Xbox, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can dry my couch out. I By can't way, dry out my, you know, my VCR. I don't play <laughs> VCR. <laughs> Still watch a game film on that. You don't mean that. You don't have a VCR. You no. don't have a VCR. <laughs> I don't play video games either, by the way. I, I'm not with the shits. I'm surprised you're not. I know your guys are. Zeke is on what Twitch for nine hours hey! a day. 
Hey, that's a good plug there, AJ. Thank you. Twitch.tv backslash the Pat McAfee Show. No, it's forward slash, but it's... You heard it both ways. Oh, you have it. Pat, if you ever are telling somebody to go to a website, do you say www before? No, no I'm out. I go HTTP. <laughs> colon. Tiny URL. Forward slash, forward slash, www dot... Uh, no, I never did www. I think we're all past that at this point. No, we're not. It happens all the time. I notice it a lot. Oh, hey, our great guest, uh, Peter Johnson, go to www.pjjohnson.com if Those you want to find olds. out more. I'm like, you don't have to say www, buddy. We what, know. Is that is that Brady Quinn whenever you skip this show for that show? Is that how he does it? If Brady did that, I, I don't think I would be – I wouldn't have a whole lot of shifts with him on SiriusXM. <laughs> How's Brady Quinn doing? What is he up to these days? Just being very handsome, selling stuff. Is he selling stuff? Is he what's he sell? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. If I was him, I'd just be probably an Instagram model, shirtless, mm-hmm. thoughting myself around. If I was Brady Quinn, no, I mean he's probably walking around his house shirtless. I don't think he posts pictures like that. But no, he lives down in Florida, hanging out. I don't know, doing his thing, mm-hmm. having kids. Hey, the guy that ran 100 miles said he would be able to join us, but we got Joe Buck in nine minutes. What should we do? Do we call the guy, or do we roll the dice here that we're going to get off by Joe Buck, or do we call? We should call him, I think, right? Yeah, we're controlling it, so we can. All right, so we, he's just, we got to get him out by because Joe Buck has a hard 130, right? I'll hang up on yeah. him. He'd have hung up on you guys yesterday, you and Orlovsky, so we'll just hang up on this guy. The story goes that this guy ran 100 miles in one day, to raise money and awareness to provide shoes for New York City healthcare workers combating COVID-19. By the way, honorable cause here. Love what he's doing. I have no idea how much money he raised or if any money was actually raised. But the only thing that I saw come out of this is that one dude said he ran 100 miles in 17 hours, 47 minutes, and 47 seconds. And I automatically thought that was bullshit. I, I, I said, there's no way. I, a noble cause here. I respect what he's doing, but there's no way this guy ran four marathons in one day. I've seen somebody walk a half marathon and was in the, in the bed for two weeks. I, I've seen a guy train for six months and get 23 miles into a marathon and end up in ICU, basically, and still hadn't finished that marathon. So for a human to run four marathons almost in one day, in my eyes, is insane. And we're talking to that guy right now, ultra runner, man who ran 100 miles in 17 hours 47 minutes and 47 seconds for a good cause david kilgore hey boy david hey boy dave hey what's up guys Dave, you're being joined here by myself, A.J. Hawk, and a slew of boys. I want to let you know, as soon as I heard about this, the first, I thought it was bullshit, and then I was told by ultra runner, <laughs> ultra running enthusiasts that you're an animal, and this is something that happens on a normal basis. Do you run 100 miles on a normal basis? Uh, I do not run it on a normal basis, I wouldn't say, uh, but... Yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely doable, and uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of different like races and uh, people doing like ultra marathons similar to that. But uh, I usually run about like 100 miles a week, but not usually all in one day. What made you all of a sudden do this? I know you're, you're raising money to to help like the healthcare workers. I guess how successful was it, and how did you feel during this 100 miles? Yeah, so super stoked on how it all turned out. Um, I think we're approaching like fifteen thousand dollars like right now. I, the original goal that we made was about like five thousand. So We've almost tripled it, which is like huge and super stoked on that. Um, during during the run overall, um, I actually felt great. Uh, I think over the years, I've jumped in a bunch of different ultras uh, and kind of just kind of like uh, gotten better as the years gone on. And um, but yeah, my legs were kind of feeling it towards uh, towards a mile like seventy, 
into oh. the last thirty were definitely uh, definitely kind of brutal, but but yeah, overall it felt pretty pretty great and coherent definitely the whole time. I I don't even think I could drive a hundred miles in one day at the point that I'm at with my ADD. <laughs> I, I, Seventy miles <laughs> in, is there? We we talked about this the other day when we were talking about this, and I assume ultra running is something that I don't know enough about because it sounds savage to be honest. People just getting out there and running a hundred fucking miles is there a moment where that runner high hits you and does that happen for you like every run and i've n- i've never experienced it is it a real thing oh for sure man yeah i would say like uh it's definitely a real real thing i wouldn't say that i get it like every run but um definitely can can feel it. and it's definitely like a want that I, your body i guess it wants like over time like i've been running i feel like every day now for like almost like 15 years um so, like, when I don't run for, like, a few days, I feel like I'm definitely, like, uh, stressing out a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, like, when I was uh, definitely towards, like, different parts of parts of the 100-mile run, I was definitely, like, super stoked and just, like, definitely feeling that runner's high. I feel like towards, like, 90 miles when I, I know, like, 10 miles, I guess, like, seems like a lot. But uh, after running 90, it seems like that was, like, the home stretch. And I feel like that last 10, I was just, like, so amped up the, the rest of the run. Do you take any breaks throughout this 17 hours? Oh, for sure. Yeah, there was a few times when, because uh, it was about like 92 degrees like Fahrenheit um, out. Um, I don't know what the conversion is, like Celsius or anything like that, if there's any like, European listeners. Uh, but, uh, Do we use Fahrenheit or Celsius? Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Okay. Don't be Celsius. Celsius. Yeah. Celsius. Sean Paul. We go by but Sean yeah, Paul. so it was just like roasting Celsius. out there. So a few times I, uh, I was definitely like just like took a break, uh, just like took a seat and kind of like tried to cool down a little bit. And then also like there was some local news kind of like cruising around too. And so, uh, I did one interview and um, just like a lawn chair, like at like mile 45 and just hung out for like five minutes and chatted with him. Was it hard to get back up after you sat down? I watched a little piece of that interview. It was, uh, you didn't seem winded at all. That was 45 miles in. That is unfathomable. Uh, <laughs> did you, did it, did you struggle to get up and where can people help donate to keep this thing going? Because I think if you're going to run a hundred miles to raise money, you, we should probably help. I mean, that seems that you probably could have just done a marathon. I'd assume if, and, and maybe two marathons <laughs> to do four of them. I mean, you've gone above and beyond. I, I would assume people would like to help you out with your cause. Yeah. Thanks man. Like, um, yeah, you can uh, definitely find them. Um, the link is like in my bio on any of my social handles. So like on my Instagram, it's like right there. I'm just at David Kilgore, and then uh, it's, like, all over, like, my Facebook page as well. It's just, like, a GoFundMe page. Um, very easy once you click on that. Um, just kind of, like, walks through the step on how to, how to donate. And, um, yeah, so definitely uh, fairly fairly simple there. And then, um, yeah, man, when I, when I kind of, like, after the interview, like, getting up out of the chair, like, I actually felt pretty good at that time. But there was definitely a few times kind of, like, down the road uh, when I was, like, man, like, this is going to be nice uh, when I can sit down for a little while. I'm definitely kind of tired of being on my feet. <laughs> I can fathom. <laughs> AJ, got anything for David? Yeah, just my last thing for me, Dave. Uh, you ever run barefoot? What's I, I forget what the book is called uh, about the the people that run barefoot through the woods and they can run for days. Like, is that a thing? The Bible. <laughs> oh yeah, the Bible. <laughs> uh, uh, I think it's like a, is it Born to Run? Is that what you think? Yeah, no. Born to Run. That's what I'm talking about. Born yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, run. So um, I actually, I personally like don't run, uh, run barefoot, uh, but I feel like, yeah, like just like after years of running and stuff like that, like, um, yeah, my foot is definitely like pretty, pretty like, I guess, callous and like beat up more or less. Um, but yeah, um, so I think that definitely helps. Uh, but I, I usually don't like run uh, barefoot, but uh, definitely do like some like strength exercise and stuff like that to kind of like 
make sure everything's like uh, running smoothly, like after taking all those miles on the body, you know. David, uh, you're impressive, pal. You, you seem like a guy that potentially smokes all of the marijuana, but I don't know how that fares whenever you're running. Is that is that an accurate statement? <laughs> uh, no, I, I actually get that a lot. A lot of people. Uh, I definitely. I grew up. I grew up in this area, so it's uh, kind of like more or less like a, I guess like a beach or a surf town. So Respect. everyone's like, uh, they're like, "Hey, man, like, what, what's going on over here? Are you." You're token up every now and then, uh, but no, I usually don't partake in that too often. <laughs> well, David, we appreciate the hell out of you, buddy, man. Very impressive stuff. I had no idea a human could run 100 miles in one day. You taught me something. It was for an incredible cause. We appreciate you, bub. Thanks so much. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, it's awesome to talk with you. You guys have a great day. All right. Cheers, man. David Kilgore. I don't think that guy would lie. No, it didn't sound. No chance. By the way, that entire time, though, I was listening to see if that guy was a guy that was full of shit or not. Like he didn't, like, you want to say he didn't run the 100 miles? Bro, that's so fucking long. 100 yeah, there's, there's miles. There's people that, there's races, there's ultra marathons. That there's a lot of racists out there. I mean, <laughs> too many, if you ask me. But I guess, <laughs> I guess the ultra running, though, I guess that is. Say, hey, Ty. Thank you for chiming in and telling us that was 38 Celsius. <laughs> I don't know if that's right, but you know, I figure it's in that ballpark. Did he think we're an international show or something, Pat? <laughs> I hope so. We're, I we're, we're over. He knew. Bro, we are. They use Celsius. Bro, we're an internet. There's a couple of people actually from afar over here that went in here um, uh, and was doing the math. There's a full equation here. Like, hey, pal, in Europe, blah, blah, blah. You name it. C equals 9.5 times X, 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 something. Some <laughs> shit. I was trying to keep up, but it moved too quick. 33 Celsius is what it was. 33. There it is. Hey, we got Joe Buck joining us, what, in uh, like 45 seconds? What's your Yeah, first? he's he's commentating. He's doing play-by-play. People are sending him videos. He's raising money for stuff, something. I oh, is he, is, is he raising money through his play-by-play stuff? Yeah, I think so. I, I, by the way, Joe Buck, I, I've never met him in person. Um, I think he's a cool guy. Should we sell oh, the MetLife Missing? Great guy. He's got a good, his book is good, too. You should read it. He wrote a book? Yeah. I've never read a book. There's, I'm just that's not going to happen. You could listen to. It. I'm sure you could download the audio version. Hmm. Yeah, but that, who's got the time? Hmm. You do. You got the time. What do you do when you drive in? You're driving 25 minutes to and from the studio in your truck. Jeezy bangers only. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're right. Okay, true. You don't have time. My bad. <laughs> I got to get Jeezy, and you know what I mean. Jeezy and Rick Ross get me going in the morning, and then on the way home. We got to plow through the snowman a little bit more. You know what I mean? Get home, ready to go. Take on the. You know, we got two more animals at the house now. We got two more frogs. I guess. Oh, frogs. Frogs. Oh. Oh. Tadpoles, I guess. Tadpoles. Oh, uh, soon to be frogs. Wants to see them grow into frogs. I, they all die. I mean, I, they, they all die, don't they? Yeah, most tads don't make it. Yeah. Kind of like, what are their names? Have a name. Have got to see them first. Smart. Tad one, tad uh, you shouldn't name them until they really grow, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Don't want to label them. Exactly. Are we, are we going to call Joe? Uh, do we have his number? Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> what, dude? You sent it to me. I forgot to send it over. Oh, Zeet. Also, so Three, Friday. <laughs> Friday, uh, Dr. Drew's going to come on. But so. Hey, he's not happy about coming on our shows from what AJ <laughs> said. No, he's happy. He's a busy man right now. But we, uh, he, I said, do you want us, do you want me to send him your number and have them call you or what he said they can call me but i'd also like a call-in number so i'll need the call-in number as well from one of you, you so want our social security number too i mean geez stop. yeah he wants to bet you i make makes sense wait till we see some of my photos from the old days he's gonna want to talk 
He used to just talk about sex all the time, right? Then he Dr. Drew was Love Line, and now he's become a full doctor uh, specialist. He's like a media star. He had a show on what HLN for a while, but now he has like five different podcasts that he does through Tom Segura's network. He does some stuff like he's out there. Uh, by the way, I've known him for a long time. I feel like Dr. Drew is one of the only most consistent doctors in my life. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty jacked, too. You ever see him when he wears short sleeves? Like, this dude works out. It, wasn't he pushing big flu at the beginning of this? What do you uh, mean? I, I think a lot of people, by the way, have had to go on freezing cold takes for their original takes on COVID-19. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I haven't followed along closely enough with the, what everybody's been saying about it, but I think there's a lot of freezing cold takes whenever it comes to the COVID-19. Dr. Drew's on Friday. Joining us now, legendary sports voice, sports man. He's doing play-by-play of random videos on the internet right now to raise some money. Legend of a human, Joe Buck. Yeah! yeah! Joey! Oh, boy, Joe! There you go, Joe! Ah, thanks for my smile on a Tuesday. Joe, it is an honor to talk to you, sir. Uh, I've told you this before. I think you're the best in your profession at what you do, and you're incredibly handsome. And the fact that you're taking on the internet during this quarantine, I absolutely love. I tiptoed right into that one. Uh, The internet and and I do not have, at least social media and I do not have the greatest relationship. But that has kind of... uh, it's kind of changed here over the past whatever it's been week or so where I've been calling these videos and people have been sending stuff in and you know adding the uh, the whole charitable arm to it was a worthwhile piece and I think kind of brought it all together so initially Fox wanted me to do viral videos play by play of that it seemed a little bit too self-serving and and it was just more fun to get a peek into uh, everybody's groundhog day life of rinse and repeat inside their inside their homes walls and it's been fun and i think people have gotten a kick out of it we're over like 10 million views of these videos thank you thank you and uh you know if if that's the case and it is then i guess it kind of struck a chord with people and they seem to like it joe so i know you've come out and said you some people have sent you some racy videos of possibly couples in, in action and, oh, and i know you no. said you won't you won't do play-by-play for sex tapes i doubt fox would love it but we know there's some notable people around the world that have kind of made their bones through their own sex tape now you don't have to have one <laughs> yourself but if you did play-by-play uh-huh. for one of these maybe soft core love making scenes i think it would really put you over the top with your your uh, relationship with social media agreed yeah i don't even think i need to I don't even think I need to go, you know, to the really hardcore, oops, it got leaked sex tape. I think I could uh, go back and just take the sound out of like a Shannon Tweed film from Cinemax uh, back when I was growing up. Uh, but short of that, I, I think I'll just stick to uh, people's dogs tugging on a stick. I, it just seems a lot safer if I want to keep my job. Uh, Joe, I, I don't think anybody would be ever able to replace you and whenever you say that you had a bad relationship with social media don't let a couple buffoons tweeting that you hate their team make camouflage the fact that everybody respects the hell out of joe buck who has a sane brain well i appreciate that and uh that's i don't know if uh you and my wife have been texting but that's and and if you have uh, I don't blame you she's a lot more entertaining than i have than i am but i it's that's the same kind of stuff that 
that my wife says. And, yeah, I, I think I've done it for a long enough time. Uh, I've done it for almost 30 years now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's time to uh, let some of the Internet hate kind of go. And, and, and that has been, you know, if, if I make it self-serving, that, that has been the fun side of it, to actually go on Twitter for me and go to the mentions, see the response, and, uh, you know, kind of understand that there's the other side of social media, which has been great. I think social media can be, you know, a, a great tool to use uh, until enough people call you a tool and then you stop using it. <laughs> I mean, people have been calling me a tool a lot in my life. Uh, That's all right. Yeah, but the internet, hey, you too, by the way. I don't think you're a tool at all. You're a five-tool player, by the way. You can do everything. <laughs> you're not just one tool. Um, yes. The internet, though, the more you put into it, I think the better it gets, right? For Because whenever I went to ESPN and I, I got a chance to you know work with a lot of the people that call games and stuff, they are scared to death of social media. Not, maybe not scared to death, but they hate social media because the only time they get on there or engage with it is during games and everybody's talking about how much they hate their team or how bad they are covering a game and all this stuff. And But once you actually get in there and like start dancing with social media a little bit, you get past that line of idiots. And I'm, I'm very happy that you're there because I think with the way your brain works and your talent, I think you're going to crush on the internet, to be honest, if you want to continue to do it. Yeah, I you know, I've I've certainly noticed that when I do go on there and I and I think a couple things. I think you have to be genuine and I think even more so now than ever. Um I'm starting a podcast that's going to drop on Thursday with a buddy of mine Oliver Hudson uh that we're calling Daddy Issues because we both have our own daddy issues and uh I I think you have to really open yourself up and you have to be a real person. I don't think you can go on social media, expect to have uh, a good experience there, and be some stuffy uh, person talking down to people. I, I, I don't, you know, that's not what it's for. And, and if anybody can laugh at themselves, I, I think I'm, I'm leading the pack uh, on that, especially publicly. I, I think sometimes it masks how I might feel uh, down deep when I cry myself to sleep and suck my thumb but i i think uh you you have to be honest and open that's why i wrote a book a few years ago and if you're yourself um then i i think people appreciate it and i think it feels better for certainly feels better for me and it's why i did write the book it's why i do go on social media now more than ever because i think it's it's more of a realistic look at who i am not just what people think between touchdown and uh, home run and ball one and strike two. Joe, right before a big game, say it's the World Series, which you've called a ton, or Super Bowls, or any game, really, I guess, what, where's your mind at? Like, do you still get nervous, or did you ever get nervous? I definitely got I You know, it's funny, because, because of this uh, quarantine, you go back and watch some of the stuff from, from back in the day, and I've, I've stumbled literally – not even looking for it, but go go through MLB Network or go to NFL Network, and there's an old game that I called, and it's it's fascinating for me. It's you know you guys you guys are are you know great at what you do, great on the field, and now you're in this business, and and I'm sure it's hard to listen to your own tapes or recordings of what you're doing, and and you're your own worst critic. But I think if you give it some time, like I can go back and watch and. ALCS game from 04 
and actually enjoy it because it's so long ago that I'm not remembering the choices I wanted to make, what I wanted to say, what I didn't get to, and it's not a frustrating experience. It's more of a realistic way to look back. And to answer your question, yeah, back then, maybe not in 04, but when I was 27 doing the World Series at Yankee Stadium in 1996, and that was Jeter's rookie year, and it was kind of their return to greatness, and it was the biggest stage I'd ever been on, absolutely i was i was nervous i was anxious i was excited i was you know all those things and i think the the nerves go away but the anxiety never does and and i still you know if i'm getting geared up for super bowl 54 like i I called a couple of months ago i'm thinking about it chewing on it for for weeks ahead of time really all year and then when it comes time you just got to plow through those nerves and just do your best, have as much fun with it as you can, and uh, you know. And, and after three and a half hours, it's over. You might as well enjoy it and let the uh, let the naysayers or the critics uh, say whatever they want. There are very few people that have sat in that seat talking to 100 million people at one time. Amen. And you've sat in that seat a lot. And by the way, great job on that Super Bowl. Uh, I thought you and Troy handled it magnificently. Uh, by the way, what do you think of Troy? You guys are an incredible pairing in the NFL. Best booth in the NFL. I, I think a lot of people say, now Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, obviously very entertaining. Sunday Night Football is a great watch. But you and Troy, I always feel like I'm learning something. And it feels like these last couple years, you guys have gotten a lot more relaxed in actually saying your real opinions, whether it's about referees, officials, rules, touchdowns, things like that. And like you talked about being genuine, genuine on the internet, I think that radiates through the screen too whenever you're saying the exact same things that the people at their home are saying i think that's a big deal and you and troy have really embraced that yeah i i agree with you that, that we've gotten better at that um i think when we started you remember troy back in the day when he was you know winning super bowls and the number one overall pick and playing for the cowboys it, it seemed like you know now we we're all well-versed and aware of what was going on back then with the Cowboys in the 90s. And he had to be the one kind of lone voice of reason with all that craziness going on around him. I think he's a very guarded person. And I think as as the years have gone on, we've been together now for 18 years, the first three with Chris Collinsworth and, and then the last 15 with just the two of us, at least in the booth, I, I think some of that has uh, dissipated, whittled away, and he's, I think, more himself. The person I see at dinner on Friday or Saturday night is showing up more on the air now than ever. And I think as you see other teams change, and I agree with you, Alan, and Chris are fantastic, and Jim and Tony do a ter- tremendous job. I-, I think that I'm seeing more of the person that I know on the air uh, show up on Sunday or on a Thursday, and that that makes me the happiest uh, of anything that we've accomplished in our time together. That he is willing to let his guard down a little more, be a little bit more critical, be a little bit more fun. He's got a great sense of humor, and and we're we're the best of friends. And that that you know that really helps when you're stuck inside a small booth doing your best on a live event to a lot of people that think they know everything uh out there it's it's uh it's good to know the person standing next to you is is a good friend and has your best interest at heart joe can you think of uh the biggest regret or the biggest mistake you feel like you've made on air you know i think when i look back 
um, it's hard, and, and you guys, the more you do it, I, I think you'll get to this point. It's almost unfair to look back and go, man, I wish I would have done this. I mean, obviously, I walk out of the booth every time I do a game, and I think, oh, I wish I had said this, or I didn't get to this point, because things change. You know, when you're doing a live event, and, and you guys know this, you can have something lined up in your head, and you want to get to it, and then bang, something changes, and that, that note is gone. And it doesn't, it doesn't really, it's not relevant anymore, and you feel like, ah, I should have gotten to that a play earlier because I never got there. Um, I think as I look back at the Randy Moss thing and the fake mooning and the rubbing his ass against a goalpost or whatever was going on, I, I, I look back on that now and I think, you know, I, I was probably over the top harsh on that. I don't know why that struck a chord with me. Uh, I, I had people pat me on the back. I had people wanting to punch me in the chin. And, uh, you know, I, I could only be who I am in that moment. And I can, I don't have a delete button and I have to kind of live with whatever comes out of my mouth. And I would say 90 plus percent of the time I'm, I'm happy with how I react, but it's not a 100% business. It's live and you can't predict or map out or script out what you're going to say. And consequently, you're not always going to have it come out the right way. But for the most part, I feel like I've, I've represented myself, uh, well you have a great chin though i think you could take one if you need it you know what i mean well, i've already got a dent in it and uh sometimes depending on how i've been eating for the month there's there's an extra chin there so that's good i was gonna say your travel schedule especially in october gets absolutely insane how do you prepare for everything is it just like a constant feed of information to you throughout the day so you can keep up with whether it's a baseball playoffs whatever fox game you're having on thursday or on sunday or whatever it, is? it there has to be just a constant feed of information into your brain that you're hoping you can recite out on cue is that an accurate statement yeah and i think that the main thing is to not let storylines or kind of injuries um or the major topics that have happened during the the first part of the season like by the time you show up in october you know september has already happened these teams are kind of in full swing and you need to actually feel confident that, that nothing major has happened in these team storylines that you're not aware of. And that, and most of the time, it has to do with injury. It has to do with, you know, who were they planning on having, and now why don't they have them, and how are they even going to come back this season. And that's, those are like the foundational parts. And then you get you get to kind of the, the specific storyline that week. I, I don't ever want to go into a game whether I'm trying to juggle two sports and I'm going day by day without having read the clips. And, re, you know, I, I think for the most part, the print media covers the storylines well enough where if I've read every bit about each team going into that game, I'm in a pretty good spot. And most of the time, it's either players that I've covered before or, heck, a team that I had three weeks ago that I don't have to totally catch up on. So it's. I think you can overload your head and get way too reliant on all of the research and all of your notes to where you miss what's going on live on the field. And I think you have to find that balance. So I, I, I make sure that I've read everything, and then I go in with my eyes wide open and see what I see and try and describe what's happening and then uh, you know, wake up the next day and do the same, sometimes in a different sport. 
Yeah, earlier in the show, you you mentioned a, a new podcast you have coming out with Oliver Hudson on Thursday. I'm sure it'll be great. I know Oliver and his sister have a podcast right now, don't they? They do. Um, and Oliver doesn't have an acting job, uh, so he's trying to get as many podcasts as he can uh, to to line his pockets. He's got a he's got a show with his sister Kate Hudson uh, called Sibling Revelry, where he and his sister talk to other siblings, uh, whether they're famous or not and talk about what it was like growing up. For he and I, you know, I got into this business. My dad is in the Baseball Hall of Fame. He, he broadcast for the Cardinals for 50 years. He, you know, did worked at CBS and worked at NBC for a short while and uh, and was just a longtime radio guy. And I followed him into this business, and I'm 50, almost 51, and I still feel in some ways like I'm, I'm just my dad's kid. And for him... He's walking around, not only is he Kate Hudson's older brother, by the way, but now he's Wyatt Russell's brother, he's Goldie Hawn's son, he's Kurt Russell's stepson, and he's got a lot going on in his head where he feels like he doesn't measure up. So uh, we just did one with Bill Simmons, our first one, where we talked about his kids and his dad and being kind of, it's about being a dad in 2020 and how there is no real roadmap, and, and how we're getting along trying to do it, and the baggage we bring into our relationships because of where we come from. I, how long is that box? Have you guys already recorded that? We did the one with Bill Simmons yesterday, and then we're just going to go week to week. We're going to talk on Monday, release it on Thursday, and uh, you know, just kind of do a weekly catch-up. I've got two older daughters, 23 and 20. Uh, they're both back in town in St. Louis here, thankfully, uh, now with all that's going on in the world. And then I've got uh, a great new wife. Uh, our six-year anniversary is coming up, and we've got twins that are almost two. Look at that. Twins that are almost two, and then he's uh, been married forever to a great girl, Erin, and they've got three uh, kids, two boys and a girl, that are right in the middle of, of my sets of kids. So it's, I don't know, it's fun, and, and he's wild and crazy and proud it's like the odd couple on the air but we're best friends and i think it shows i cannot wait to listen to that um there's a picture in our slideshow that we have going up on our youtube it's you troy and roger goodell talking has there ever been a time where roger goodell has come up to you and asked you why you said the things that you said no that's a great question um i think a lot of people believe that that happens uh I can only tell you from where I sit, I've never, and it's been, whether it's been Bud Selig and Major League, actually, I take that back. One time, I got called on the carpet. I'll tell you about that in a second. But as far as Roger's concerned, no. Um, now, he may say things that he doesn't like to my boss, Eric Shanks, and that gets filtered down to Troy and me. I think sometimes it does have to do with officiating, like you talk, you guys talked about earlier. I, I think... You know, they they get tired of officials getting picked on. Uh, but sometimes, you know, when it's flag after flag after flag and you're sitting there on live TV, there's not a whole lot to say other than if you thought the call was any good or not. And we've got Mike Pereira standing there with us uh, who brings tremendous value and is kind of the godfather of all these of all these officials that have gone into TV. But, yeah, no, I never said, hey, why did you guys say this? To me, ever. Uh, Seelig one time got mad at me because I went on, I think it was Colin Coward's show when he was at ESPN, 
And Colin asked me what I do uh, at night when I'm not doing a game. Am I watching West Coast baseball feeds? And I said, no, I mean, I'm a married guy. I've got young girls at the time. Uh, I said, I'm watching The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. And that kind of went viral and acted like I didn't watch baseball, which is, I mean, I feel like I've watched a ton of baseball in my life, but I was being honest, and it pissed him off because it went everywhere, and it was like, Joe Buck doesn't even watch baseball, why should you? And uh, and I can see why he got mad, but, you know, after we talked for about two minutes, uh, he was great, and we just moved on to whatever was the next topic. Bud, have you ever seen a rose ceremony? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chris Harrison. Uh, Chris, I think we should switch jobs sometime. He, uh, Harrison should come over and call a World Series, and I'll just duck my head in and go, gentlemen, the final rose. <laughs> uh, Joe, Joe, you ever think about, I would mentioned to Pat earlier uh, a couple shows ago, when The Price is Right was up for grabs, I, I heard that Kirk Herbstreit was rumored to be of interest. They wanted Kirk. I don't think Kirk wanted to do it. Would you ever branch off into that someday if you didn't, if you weren't doing sports anymore? Like, think about, hey, well, I could take Chris Harrison's gig or someday be to take over Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune. Why you ever think of Herbie jumping into that? Take, why did Herbie not take that? I, I don't know why. That seems like a – here's, here's the thing. I'm sure it's great money. I'm sure the – uh, the schedule is really good. I know they bank a lot of shows, probably go in one day a week, two days a week, and they've got you know, a couple weeks' worth of shows, and I'm sure it's great, but that's got to get repetitive. And I think the beauty of what we do uh, is that every day is different. No two games are the same. And people, I mean, while Price is Right is big in a lot of lives for a lot of different reasons, uh, doing a Super Bowl or doing, you know, for Kirk, the national championship game or whatever it might be, there's just nothing like it. And so years ago I was like, Oh, I want to host a late night show. I want to host a late night show. And I got to do it two nights on CBS and the late, late show. And it was fun. And I loved it. And I got to do stand up at the beginning and I interviewed Ludacris and I interviewed Kristen Chenoweth and I, I a bunch of different people. Luda was great. Uh, <laughs> But I walked out of there after two nights and I was like, you know, for as much as I act like I want to do that, it's a it's a full day every day during the course of the week, and it's just it. You could see how fast it would get repetitive. So I, there's just the answer to that is maybe something on the side, or maybe something when I'm done with this. But as as I sit here now, I just can't imagine anything that's more exciting than walking into the booth in a September regular season game or an October playoff baseball game. There's just nothing like it. What was that uh, interview show you had? Uh, Dan Patrick took it over after you were done with it. It was uh, undeniable. Oh my god, I love that. I'm still trying to recreate that show on a daily basis with sponsors. I absolutely love that setup. You really long conversation with somebody in front of an audience. You guys had incredible quotes around the set. I love. I used to watch that show late night all the time whenever I couldn't sleep because I can't sleep unless I take massive amounts of vitamins. So whenever the Jerry Jones interview you did, uh, it's still one of my favorite quotes. Jerry told you something along the lines of, 
You know, when I got the Cowboys, I went all in with the Cowboys. There's people on a par five. They're sitting two, and there's like a little pond or something in front of the green. It's like 2.30, and they lay up, and then they decide to get on and try to get a birdie. He said, I drive for the fucking green every time. I believe is what he <laughs> yep. told that's an actual quote, right? He told you that in that in that. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, I you should you should have we. I sat with him for almost three hours, and I think he had just had his hip done right before that, and I was a little nervous. You know, he this was I, four years ago, somewhere in there, and not a young guy, and he had just been through surgery. And man, those lights came on, and he owned the crowd that was sitting there, and a lot of people came away to joe namath was the same way and and you know you're in la it's it's a hired crowd uh a lot of these people filtered in there and you know you probably thinking i'm going to catch up on some sleep watching this show probably never heard of joe namath or heard of jerry jones or whatever they're not diehard sports fans in there and by the end of so lou holtz another one by the end of some of these three-hour sessions that were cut down to one-hour shows the audience was eaten out of their hands. And, and I walked out of there going, man, I know exactly why Jerry Jones, you know, shot, shot for the moon to get the Cowboys and why it worked. And, you know, Michael Phelps and why he is who he is and watching him break down and talk about going into rehab and talking about the, the DUIs and talking about the bong picture and all that and seeing a guy – self-conscious about his ears, you know, with all that success, it, it just, well, I walked away, I ended up doing 50 of those uh, interviews, and I walked away from them thinking, you know, the point of it is, whether you're Wayne Gretzky or Derek Jeter or Troy Aikman or Jerry Jones, and all the success these guys have had, um, everybody has been scared, everybody's been shaken to their core, everybody has overcome something. And all of these people that we think we know because we watch them compete or you see them for five minutes on SportsCenter, whatever it might be, we have no idea who these people are or why they are successful or where they come from or what their mom and dad were like or, or if they had a mom and dad. I mean, Dennis Rodman sitting there talking to him, I, I, he cried within the first 10 seconds of sitting there and the crowd was, I've never seen a crowd rally behind somebody that, that was out there just raw. It, it, was, it was a blast. I'm so glad I did that show, and thanks for saying that. I, I, I loved every minute of it. But after 50 of them, I was like, we're, we're kind of redoing the same thing. Time to let somebody else have a crack at it. And I walked away. And, and so I'm, I'm proud of what we did, but I, I think it had run its course with me. You said you want to be a late-night show host. I thought you were a good interviewer, bub. I thought it was really good. I enjoyed the hell out of that. You, you brought the best out of humans. I think Pete Rose is on there, too. Did Lou Holtz tell you about how a bumblebee is scientifically not built to fly and how uh, his, his body's too big for his wings? Oh, my God, no. But it, it was a lot of that. You know, there was, was there some banquet material in there? Hell, yeah. Oh. But was there, was there stuff that, that he told teams? And were, were there moments where he kind of stopped video and turned to the audience? And I mean, this audience was ready to run through a wall for him. And, and to think of where he comes from and to make his, his dream as a boy was to be the head football coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and he got there. And it's, I mean, it's just crazy, his route that took him, you know, Arkansas and all these different spots. And then he ended up there and, you know, was one of the most successful coaches in the history of college football. It, 
that guy that guy's amazing and i i don't even know how old he is exactly around the age of 80 and and he is more energetic than anybody else including the host uh, that we that we've had on that stage Joe, hey, last thing for me. I, I saw something this morning. Uh, Dr. Thom Mayer. I'm sure it's pronounced Tom, but it's spelled T-H-O-M. I still don't understand that one. Thom. He's the NFLPA medical director, which I didn't know they had one. Is that the Maurice Smith's doctor? He said he's very doctor? optimistic that the, the NFL season will start on time, whether it be a shortened camp or whatever. I, I guess, have you given any thought to, to what the fall may look like? Joe, I apologize. Hold on. I have to ask AJ this because I feel like he knows more than I do about this. When I saw that the NFLPA had a doctor, is that the Maurice Smith's personal doctor? <laughs> Who is the NFLPA doctor, AJ? I would love to know. Maybe Joe knows. I don't. I, I, I did not know that that person exists. But, uh, you know, for you guys that risk life and limb, uh, it should be a good thing. Um, I, I don't know, to answer your question. I don't know. I, I just, just for purposes of, of the conversation, I remember I was supposed to play in some golf tournament in mid-April. And back in toward, you know, the beginning of March, uh, I thought, well, I mean, by mid-April, come on, we'll be we'll be moving around, and this will have died down somewhat, and it's not that big of a deal, and so I'm sure we're going to go play in this thing. I mean, now the idea of that is is absurd. It's ludicrous to think that you would go, and obviously it's not going to happen. So as we sit here, basically in the first part of April, who knows what's around the corner? I'd love to think that we're going to have half a baseball season and we're going to have a regular NFL season and people are going to file into stadiums and sit next to each other and cheer on their favorite teams. I, I'd love to believe that. And, and I'm not saying I don't. I'm just saying we, we just don't know. And, and so nobody can give a concrete answer to that. Not any of the commissioners, not the president of the United States, not the heads of any networks. So we're all just hopeful. I am. I'd love to see everything collide in the fall. And you see, you know, a baseball season gearing up for the playoffs. Hell, even the NBA end of their season somehow, end of the NHL season, football in full swing, golf. I mean, it could be amazing. Uh, you know, I, I just join everybody hoping that life returns to normal sooner rather than way later amen and while it isn't people can send you their videos for you to commentate and raise money joe we can't thank you enough for spending time with us today you're the absolute greatest my man yeah two of my favorite guys of course i'm not gonna say no to you <laughs> is that like so anytime we need somebody we can just <laughs> i mean look i'm sitting here with two-year-old twin boys i'm happy to come on every day for four hours <laughs> my God. Hey. ladies and gentlemen Dad of the year, commentator of the year, basically yeah. every year for the last 50 years, Joe Buck. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks. Be well. Be safe. See you, Joe. Hey, a lot of comments earlier about please address the Randy Moss issue, and he brought it up himself. I think everything that people, by the way, go after Joe Buck for, Joe Buck has heard before and has addressed it during that entire thing. There was some there were some people saying some stuff here about Joe Buck in the comment section. It wasn't great. YouTube comments, not always the most beautiful place. But a lot of people had Joe Buck's back in here, too, which is good. Joe Buck, good at what he does, I think. I think he's great at what he does. I mean, when you – I don't know how many World Series he has done in All a row. All of them. But there's so many of them. Like his, that's just his voice. You hear his voice and you think big time. If he's doing baseball, it's a big game most likely. You know, In football, he does huge games too, obviously. You know I'm a professional baseball player? Yeah, didn't you make a documentary about it? 
I did. It's free now. It was for sale. It's now free. We should have had Joe Buck maybe commentate on that, send it over to him. Hey, we need 28 minutes of commentator for this thing. You want to raise some money? Let's do it. Isn't that something that you could do right now, too? I mean, that's kind of your thing is to play clips of special teams plays and, and have your unique play-by-play -play analysis. I respected Joe Buck saying I could just do it over viral videos, but that'd be pretty self-serving. A lot of people are running up numbers on viral videos with them talking over it, acting as if they did something. I could do that. I choose not to. But if it ever gets a little bit low on the internet, I will start doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, Joe, he mentioned his book. He actually, he brings up all of those things I that mean, people, people want to hear about. In people his just book. steal views off of those viral videos, acting like they did something. Huh. You know what I mean? Hmm. Huh. Yeah, man. Yeah, I guess. It, what, you, you, uh, you knocking the hustle? You don't like when people are hustlers? I don't think it's a hustle. I think it's stealing. AJ's probably best friends with Hustling's him. a little bit different than stealing. Who are you talking about? I don't know who you're talking about. It's a lot of people doing it. A lot of people do it. A, a, a lot of people do it. It's, it's you mean put voiceovers over... Vi are, are there always viral videos they put voiceovers on? Well, it's user-generated content. It's uh, what somebody else creates content, and then you just kind of... And then... Act it was like the... Uh, what are the guys that were taking memes or stealing memes and putting them up as their own? Yeah. yeah. Fuck Jerry, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on on the internet. I, and I, by the way... You do what you got to do. People make a lot of money off of that. They've made good cloud off of that. that just, just not my thing. Mm -hmm. Just not my thing. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, you're very talented. You could do whatever you want. I was just curious. I'm not, I mean, Joe's. I'm not that talented. I have one lane, and I just hit that lane hard. But Joe doing this is a good idea, I think, for him. Yeah, it, it was cool to hear him say, like, he always, he always has not had the greatest relationship with social media. And I know, I think he even talks about it in his book, and he said it in the past, like, he... When he would tweet, like he, I think he was having an assistant do it. Like he would send her what he wanted, and he didn't want to see anything. I'm like, well, I guess you do have to be disciplined if you don't want to look at notifications or what any responses to what you're doing. Um, but for Joe, I think it's cool to right now to hear him say, like, well, I, I'm, I'm not there, but I'm like, it's cool to turn the corner a little bit and see people excited about some stuff that he's doing because it's true. He's in that no win position when he's the play by play guy, the team. Like, but I think it was great when he said uh, the baseball thing or the Randy Moss thing, he said, half the people love me or loved what I said. Half the people want to punch me in the chin. I'm like, well, isn't that what your job is yeah. to be like a polarizing figure? I know you're play by play. So that's, you're not a hot take guy, but like you want people to feel one way or the other. You don't want them just being different. That's what I learned. Whenever you're a play by play person, you're being dropped right in the middle of fanatics, right? Fans are fanatics and they're, you're being forced on them. Right. So like that's what I learned from calling those Thursday night games. I was being forced on some fan bases that had never heard of me before. But if they wanted to watch their team on national television for the first time all year, it was these Thursday night games with me. And, you know, there's some people that just just weren't ready for for the experience with me. And I would assume with Joe Buck, though, you got a lot of people that are forced to hear Joe Buck on a daily basis. It's not like they choose to pick Joe Buck. Right. It's not like they're picking. OK, I'm going to pick Fox. I'm going to pick Joe Buck and Troy Aikman to call my team that I love and that my happiness lives and dies with. I'm picking these two to call it. It's like, okay, you're forced to deal with it. And if your team doesn't perform well, you're immediately linking that to the person that's messaging the or messaging you, telling you how bad your team is playing. It's it's when you're covering sports, it's hey, you just got charges a game. Some people are gonna hate you. I learned that quickly. I mean, people are gonna hate you. That's just the way it goes. If you do anything like that's public, of course, there's gonna be people on both sides. That's fine. But yeah, you shouldn't let it hopefully don't let it seep into your head and it changes how you behave or how you act on camera or audio podcast whatever you're doing but i i don't know yeah joe's joe's a good dude man i think people just have that whole thing like oh joe buck hates my team and they don't even they may not even have seen a lot of what joe buck has done but they just feel like because other people have said it like oh yeah i don't like joe buck either the um 
Oh, fuck. What was I going to say? Mm. I had a good one, too. I mean, it was a good one there. It was good? Was it about Joe Buck? Yeah, it was, it was really deep. Oh, I told him whenever I went to ESPN, I heard all the people talking about how they hate social media, right? That was like a mm. message that was being relayed via, you know, like actual messages from upper... Uh, were they saying don't partake in social media or don't look at your mentions? What were they saying? They're like, it doesn't matter. This is worth nothing. Like, don't even don't even look at it. But and that's I, but that's not true because I they, agree. They I hire agree. people and fire. Like, if you have a big following, you're way more value, valuable that, to that. that, that not that true. Not true. Not true. You would think that was the case, but that's not true. Well, they don't. What ESPN also has gone back and forth with people taking political stands on their social media, and they don't want to be. And I understand it. Like, they don't want to have like a fractured front like so they didn't they make like a no politics thing for social media for anyone that works there i don't know they haven't told me any of that but you could by watching you could see that they did I, that's not really my thing anyways but the you could tell that the people that aren't internet people are scared of the internet because the only interactions they have with the internet are only whenever they're probably told to look at the internet and it's probably a very negative thing once you break past that layer of humans though and you really you know baptize yourself in the internet it's a beautiful place i mean the comment section of this youtube thing is terrible yeah. I mean, this thing's <laughs> very bad this thing is disgusting there were some people in here trying to start a clap to clap them off the stage as if it was the packers team meeting or the Colts team meeting there was people in here like putting emojis in there like okay all right joe way to go there's, there's bad people in this youtube comments say, hey, they're not happy but once you get past that wave of those humans there's a beautiful area to be and i think joe buck is going to do well on the internet he is i wanted to ask him the one thing i didn't get to was asking about Troy, Troy Aikman, like what I like that Troy has done sometimes. Troy's not scared to step out there on social media and call somebody out if he feels they're wrong. And the best thing, Troy and Skip Bayless have a weird relationship. I think, I think Skip wrote something in his book years ago about Troy when he was still playing for the Cowboys. Didn't he accuse him of being a homosexual? Yeah. In his book, too. Was it in writing? Yeah, I believe so. So I know Troy has always had a thing for Skip, and then all of a sudden Skip comes from ESPN to Fox. I know Troy – is not what scared happened? to let his opinion be known on what he thinks about it. Skip. <laughs> Skip. Skip. Is that, Shannon, is that Shannon Sharp over there? Skip. What did Skip do? You heard him. What did he do? He, he, he said that Mr. Aikman was a homosexual man in a book. Yeah, I think he was talking about like how private his uh, like social life was, and that was, the, that was the yarn he was spinning. Oh, and then Fox hired Skip. And then that was probably a breaking point for Troy Aikman, I'd assume. That's not something you just kind of forget about. You know what I mean? By the way, Troy Aikman, he might run 100 miles a day like that David Kilgore guy. I saw him down at that XFL game. Dude's 155 pounds, and he looks shredded. Shredded. Tan, shredded, looks great. Looks incredible. And This past year, I think, is really where he started to loosen up a little bit with how he felt about the things that he was saying. Like him, he, he was just like a couple of times, like, yeah, this ref stinks. He, he, basically, Troy was just like, that is a bad, this is terrible. I, I respected it at home. I, res- I do. I, I respect it. Don't you think Troy seems so comfortable on camera, so relaxed? Like, I, hey, like if so, I'm sure he listens to feedback from producers and everybody, but he knows his gig. He and Joe get along really well. And I think it shows on TV. And you're, Troy is, he's a professional. And I think, too, Troy knows, like, he's got plenty of other things. When he's done calling games, too. I don't know when he's going to stop, but Troy has plenty of other options. He's a Hall of Famer, Super Bowl rings, all that stuff. And Troy's not like holding on to so so tight, like, oh, I can't lose this gig. Like, I don't want, like, he's not that guy. He's got to the top spot and he's just relaxed and doing a good job. How about when they wore hoodies? That one oh, night? yeah. That was I, nice. I'm a big fan of that. Cool. I like Joe and Troy a lot. Big, very thankful for Joe joining us and David Kilgore. Go ahead. 
Uh, it's now official. There will be moving from 12 to 14 teams in the playoffs. Great for fans. Terrible for players. I'm happy about it. Let's go. <laughs> Why is it terrible for players? Well, you know, the bye week situation. Uh, there's more games. I don't know. I don't know. Some p- players are pissed off about it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. Does it dilute the playoffs, like how important they are? I don't think so. I think it makes I, it, I think it makes it bigger and better. I can't wait for Wild Card Weekend. Like I cannot wait for Wild Card Weekend. Wild Card Weekend was maybe the best weekend of football this past mm-hmm. year. I mean, it was awesome, wall to wall. Now it's going to be like an, a London weekend too, where there's just three games. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be yeah. stacked up. I mean, this is. I'm pumped about it. I am very pumped about it. Unanimous decision, I'd assume, the NFL owners passed that through. Oh, we want an extra playoff game that pays triple of what the normal game? Yeah, we would like that. <laughs> and we, we don't have to pay the players even a fraction of what their normal salary is? We all concur, <laughs> concur, concur. We can all vote for everybody. We all agree. Yeah, we agree. Let's pass that, son bitch. To be honest, didn't think the players were going to sign this one in. It was a close vote, but son of bitches did it. Let's go ahead and pass it. That and the seven, 17 games is going to take effect, what? Not this upcoming season, but the one after, 2021. Yeah, we talked to Thomas Morstead this morning, uh, punter for the Saints, the guy that you said wanted to see fight Jadavion Clowney the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? why what a, is that all you had? You just want to tell me you talked to Thomas Morstead, or did he have anything on the new CBS? No, I just thought about you wanting Jadavion Clowney and him to step into a cage together, and there was no reason for you to say Oh, my it. bad. Did I, I, don't, I don't look at him as a punter. I look at him as an athlete, and he can challenge Jadavion Clowney. Well, I'm wrong then. Because I thought you meant the complete opposite. That he was just going to break his little hips off from his body and then beat him with it like he was Miles Garrett. <laughs> well, I said I don't know. Maybe I, I Morstead looks like the kind of guy that could be He's a like stud. a black belt in jiu-jitsu or something. He's an absolute stud. He said this morning that for the NFLPA to want more, a bigger piece of the pie, okay, obviously percentage-wise, revenues-wise, that the owners were like, well, it has to be 17 games then. So the owners were like, yeah, we'll give you, we'll give up more for you guys if you want, but we need to make the pyre much bigger if that's the case. So the NFL owners obviously were just like, of course we'll give them um, 1% more when we're getting 118th at least raise plus another uh, two massive playoff games that we can get from TV. I mean, it was just. It's a maestro thing with the NFL owners, just like the way they handle their business. And there's literally nothing the players can do, I don't think, at this point. Like, I mean, in 10 years, we're going to have the same conversation. I don't think there's anything they can do. 10 years, and there's no opt-out clause either for the PA in that where... Nothing. And the, the owners are going to they're going to renegotiate these TV deals, too, coming up here shortly. So, they're, I mean, yeah, there's a reason they're billionaires. They're smart, and they have the best lawyers in the world. Football players play football. That's all. Yeah. And they... Invest in floating furniture. <laughs> and they have a show that has over 5,000 concurrent viewers on YouTube right now. And every once in a while, we like to dive deep into the most beautiful part of the internet, the YouTube comment section, with an incredible segment we like to call... YouTube questions. Let's go. Why don't we? Whose voice is that? Real quick. Guess. Who do you think it is? Connor. Okay. So it's. You think it's Connor? You get three guesses. Diggs. Okay. Birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Diggs. Diggs. Thanks, AJ. It's not Ty Schmidt. He was quarantined probably when they recorded that. Do you want to do it one more to see one more time? Meraldo. No. Do you want to do it one more time? No. Run it one more time. First off, I can barely hear his voice. I don't know if the viewers can hear his voice. But 
the fact that there's like a 12 second delay every time you start to go to these YouTube questions. Why don't we just have someone live in studio? You have nine guys there. Why doesn't one of them just say YouTube questions and someone play a little jingle? Okay, let's let's do it one more time. <laughs> let's see what happens. YouTube questions. Z. Yeah. And by the it's way, every, by the way, every single time it's different because he does it every single time. <laughs> he, he does do it the way you proposed. Is it really live? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, every single I time. thought that's recorded. What Z? You do a hell of a job of disguising. Like it sounds the same to me every time, but I can barely hear it, so I don't know. YouTube question. Ooh, okay. I, I believe you now. I don't have any on here. I don't. I, I tried my best. Who are your top three? Mm. Who are the two Super Bowl? Mm. Who are the two Super Bowl teams going to be this year? Great question right there from uh, Bake31011, higher than I am right now, I assume. <laughs> well, the AFC has got to be the Browns, right? They won the offseason again. And yep. NFC is going to probably be the Bears, right? Mm -hmm. Buccaneers. Uh -oh. No, I have no idea. I mean, honestly, right now, Buccaneers, really, like, are, they, are they the favorite in Vegas? No. No. Not who's even the, the favorite who's in the, the NFC. favorite out of the NFC? The Niners, I think. Right, mm. Niners. I'm pulling up to make sure. Yeah, I think the Niners are the favorite. I believe because mm -hmm. they're only getting better. By the way, what if they sign Antonio Brown? I'm gonna keep saying that until somebody signs him. The <laughs> Niners feel like a team that could sign Antonio Brown. They got a veteran culture in there. They have success. Kyle Shanahan feels like a good coach. They got OGs in that locker room. A lot of personalities. They're a good team. They're gonna win. It feels like Antonio Brown could be a Niner, and if that's the case, big time problems for everybody else in the NFC, including. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I'm curious to see how the Buccaneers are. Does it hurt Tom Brady not having an offseason? Tom Brady. Tom Brady's always in season. You're right. He definitely is. It's just where that is. Like, is it his Costa Rica house? Where does he go? They're always, like, on vacation <laughs> places in Costa Rica. Or, and he's doing, like, band work on the beach with some trainer. He's always in L.A. That's why everybody thought he was going to go to the Chargers. And then he goes down to Brazil for Carnival or whatever. And then he'll throw in the backyard of his Massachusetts home. Every offseason, something new with the Brady Bunch. But I feel like he's probably in L.A. right now slinging the rock around to his child, Matt. Is that his name? Jake? Jack? Mm. Jack. Jack. Jack, his kid Jack, he's probably slinging a rock there, eating his avocado ice cream, probably FaceTiming with Byron Leftwich, Bruce Arians, Clyde Christensen on a daily basis down there, going through the playbook, going through the whole thing. Whenever he shows up, he's going to be 10 steps ahead of whoever else is there. Hey, did you guys see, I don't know when this was live, but there was something on like Nickelodeon or something. My kids watch it. I didn't watch these. it. So no, but I think it might have been somewhere else before this. Kristen Bell, Dax Shepard's wife, hosted it, and they like Skyped with kids, and kids asked all these questions. But then they Skyped in Russell Wilson and Sierra at their house with a couple families, I guess, just to talk about how they're dealing with this. But it was funny. I wonder if Ty Schmidt saw this. <laughs> Russell Wilson and Sierra are sitting there in their little shot. They have a cool-looking house behind them, uh, and there's a chef lady in the background like preparing dinner for everybody, and it was just funny. Like I, I don't know. It was that. just a weird look at the time. I love that Russell Wilson – is not taking any off time. He's employing more people. Give me more chefs at the house. I need to play catch with my kids. I need to do this concert with Elton John. I need to do this Dax Shepard thing this other day. The Russell Wilson family of Little Future, uh, the lady that used to sing. Is it weird? Okay. Is it So Future, the rapper, has a kid with Sierra, right? Little Future. Is it Baby Future or Little Future? What is it on the birth certificate? Little. I think Little Future. I mean, that's amazing that that's what his name is. I love that. Do you have an AJJ? No, I don't have a junior. 
but is that a junior? Like his real future's real name cannot be future. What's his real name? Does it? Does the son have the same name? Or did maybe Future's parents named him Future? Maybe Wrong. that is on his birth certificate. Jeff huh? Future. Is his his name's name. Jeff Future. Mr. Future. Thought Can you back that up? That was Ron Future. Oh, you a bad girl. Won't you back that thing up? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, Nickelodeon AJ is doing a alternate simulcast for kids for the wild card weekend this year. Nickelodeon up. stinks. What are we doing? How do I commentate that game? Here you go, kids. Here's a bunch of things you'll never be able to accomplish. Is that at least tough, them? tough news. They've already got uh, Mark Summers and Mo- Mike O'Malley. Oh, no way! And Is Mo, Mo going to be the ref? Be the official Wait, who's Mike Mike O'Malley? O'Malley? Don't you say that! <laughs> By the way, Futures, I know Mark Summers for sure, obviously. Future's real name is outrageous. I'm coming back. His, what his is name is outrageous? Or? Yes. Like, or his outrageous. name is outrageous. No, Nevadius Demon Wilburn. So I would assume his little son, that's probably his birth probably name, Nevadius right? Probably Nevadius II. It's the second? Nevadius, yeah. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Who? Nevadius, yeah. What the fuck? I like Future. <laughs> future, future has some oh, hits, boy. man. Yeah, mask off, dude. <laughs> Mask off. Man, what a funny video. Is it the mother in there? Uh, Amber are you Rose kidding me? You don't know who O'Malley and Mel are? What is this? Oh, Come on. Oh, my AJ. God. What's up, child? or whatever at that award show they do? Kids of the week. AJ. I don't do double dare, pal. I do global guts. Do you have it? Do, 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 do you have it? Heard of the aggro, I have no Craig? idea what's going on right now. That's a shame. I thought I had a terrible childhood because I didn't see a single Disney movie and played no video games. The fact that you never saw Global Guts is maybe the most disappointing thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I haven't seen many Disney movies either. I could have sworn AJ was on Global Guts. <laughs> you you could have won a piece of the aggro, Craig, pal. Let's is send that it over. Show? That's a, so that's a show, like a, a competition show? Let's he's, send it over to Mo with the results. This is a gimmick. Mo! Full-size Olympic pool in this show. He's ribbing us. AJ from Wait, Ohio. Wait, was this show around like when I was a kid? Yes, yeah. yes, it was. Yes, let me look up I, the years. I'm not joking. Like I, I, You're I feel bad. I don't know about this. AJ was on the show. It's confirmed. You were on the show. Pop it up. Pull it up. Then maybe I was. <laughs> well, we'll get strike. We can't. The only thing we can tell you is the aggro crag right here plays no games. If Summers, O'Malley, and Mo are calling that game. That thing's going to get better ratings than whatever the NFL is trying to do for the adults. Uh, 160 right. episodes from 92 to 95. You fucking kidding me. You never saw it. <laughs> so Mark Su- is Mark Summers going to be doing play-by-play? Uh, it, no. <laughs> O'Malley and Moe are running that show. Summers might be on the sideline, yeah. to be honest. I, I don't know, Since you're a part of the family, I don't know how they already hired those positions without consulting you. Bro, that's why whenever you said if you have a big following, you get a job. My following is bigger than everybody's over there. And it's just right off as if it's the price is right. But and you have more jobs than you can handle, though. So what are you complaining about? Listen, you never leave your faux show jobs looking for mo jobs because you might end up with no jobs. But I would like to, you know, focus in on one or two big projects. That'd be fun. Would that have been a big project for you to call the wild card game on Nickelodeon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would have been. That would have been a big deal for me, man. Obviously. You could easily be on, you may be on one of the networks that's actually calling the game. That is not true, AJ. We've already talked about this. NBC, I get it. And CBS. I get it. So, all the ESPN people, if you just 
complain and say it's never going to happen. They're never going to have me in the booth on Monday night. Then they're going to be like, oh, look at Pat. No, I, I, sources, according to my sources, Monday <laughs> Night Football is very much out of the question for me. Very, so who's, very much. Who's going to take that gig? They, they're offering they're, they're offering everything to Peyton, and he just keeps saying no. What, who are, who's going to be in the booth? So I guess from what I've been told is that Breeze is going to get that gig at some point. They Supposedly they offered him a 10-figure contract eight, right, for whenever figure. he's done playing. Eight figure, eight figure. Yeah, hey, yeah ten. But what more. happens? My question is, That's what? So who's in there this year? I have no idea. But I was, I was told on good authority, not going to be me. I was told with a pretty straight face. Hey, don't want to burst your bubble, but probably not going to be you. Uh, by the way, they said it's a lame duck position, anyways, because Drew Brees is going to get it whenever he's done. What if Drew Brees wants to play for ten more years? Start eating avocado ice cream. What are they going to do? Just keep passing off one year at a time? Like, what if something happened? Let's say for some reason, like Jay Cutler gets the gig, and Jay is Jay and just climbs the charts. People love him. They, they put him up there with Tony Romo status. Like you can't replace him after a year and bring in Breeze. That's what I see. And then if you try to bring in a, thir- a three-man booth, that's going to mess up the whole vibe too. Well, people are always going to make excuses not to hire you. That's what I've been learning. But I guess I don't know who what they're going to do with that. That would be massive news, by the way, if they were to sign somebody to do that. I think they've been trying their best to break some news in during this time, but nobody will take the job. So hmm. it's crazy. Can you, really, can you really not sleep if you don't take a, a whole lot of vitamins? Yeah, I'm not a good sleeper, man. This brain never stops. That's why I tried to meditate the other day, and I was uh, defeated by meditation once again for the, uh, you know, I'm O for 32 years and being able to meditate. Some okay. guy came after me I on thought- Twitter earlier whenever I talked about that, by the way. He was like, are you so mentally soft you can't meditate? It's like, are you so fucking boring in your brain that you have the ability just to turn it off at any time? Shut up, pal. Get off my ass. Wait, who said that? Some bum on the internet. Some meditation stooge. Some Joe Buck stooge. <laughs> <laughs> I never looked at it that way. What's that? He said, what, you're so dumb that you can't meditate? Mentally soft. Oh, mentally soft. I mean, that's a that's a personal attack. I know. I was How'd that happy. make you feel? I blocked him. You blocked him? You didn't mute him? You blocked him? I blocked him. He doesn't deserve any of my giveaways, my content, nothing. That guy can take a hike, pal. <laughs> I get it. I understand. You got you to keep that chip on your shoulder, man. You and Tom Brady. Me, Tom Brady, Jacoby Brissett's pissed off. Are you going to become the best meditator out of spite now? It would be something that I would do, by the way. It, that is 100% something that I would do because I feel like it's my job to shove things up people's ass whenever they say things about me. I, I think a lot of people have been, become very successful via spite. I am one of the best spite. I'm not going to have a spite store. I'm not going to open up. A, I'm not going to try to take down a Mocha Joe's with anything like that. I just kind of real G's move in silence <laughs> like lasagna. I'm lasagnaing around. Now, a real move that I would make if I was to go full me <laughs> would become the greatest meditator on earth. Unblock that guy and then just bombard him with videos of me. <laughs> Woo sawing right to sleep within a matter of time and then coming back and then blocking him again immediately afterwards. Okay. Can't wait. That's gonna be a riveting video to I watch you meditate. I can't get there though. It's very have you ever done it? I get it. Yeah, I get it. It's not easy. Can you do it? I mean, can't yeah, everyone can technically do it. I, for how long? I don't know. Just gotta breathe. Just breathe in and out. Breathe, stretch, shake, let it go. See, that's the thing. Like for me, a lot of times, and I know it's like the husband and wives argue about it, where I don't overanalyze anything. Like there's a lot, a big chunk of the day where there's nothing happening in my brain. And my wife sometimes will ask me to like elaborate on something or ask me what I'm thinking about. And I'm like, literally nothing. There's zero activity right now. Like if we're watching a show or I'm sitting there and the kids are asleep, 
nothing going on in my brain. <laughs> You're like that meme where they always have the the couple laying down mm-hmm. in bed, and she's always like, "I wonder if he's thinking about other women or something." And then in the guy's brain, it's just like a dog or something that's that's you you're you're that meme yeah i don't i don't know i'm not aware of that super famous meme you just mentioned but well, yeah it's kind of how it is you should it is there's too many to keep up and i, I just keep i just love watching the denzel meme over and over again on twitter you hate the denzel meme huh i love denzel that's why i don't like like all right man little played out Denzel meme doesn't have to be the first one to pop up whenever a name is on Twitter. Adfred Delarosa says, uh, I have a question for the Hawk. That'd be you. Okay. Who was the toughest offensive player to tackle? Who would it be today if you were playing? Wow. That's a good question. I mean, I played Adrian Peterson twice a year for a long time. The dude's a monster. He's trying to score every single play. Played against Marshawn a bunch. Lynch, another monster. Did you ever Doesn't eat one? Ever want to get tackled? Did you eat one from Marshawn or a knee from uh, AD? Yeah, many times from both. Wow! You just hope you're enough of a speed bump to slow him down, where your buddies can jump on his back. <laughs> <laughs> That's sometimes sometimes just where you, where you are. If you're the first guy there, good luck. Have fun. Hopefully, my buddies are rallying to the ball. All right, rally true boys. I'm going in head first here. About to get fucking kneed right in the dumb. Come on and get it, boys. Adrian Peterson was an animal, man. He fresh yeah. out of Oklahoma too. He was a grown man playing in college football, and then he goes right in the NFL, and it's just like nothing was new. It's like Lamar Jackson, by the way. I did not expect Lamar Jackson to be able to do what he's doing on a professional football field, like what he's doing exactly what he did at Louisville, but on a professional football field. It's it's madness to me. He's proven a lot of people wrong too. People that said he should have been a wide out when he was coming out of college, all of those things. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. He's he's like. He's transformed what how people look at the quarterback position. Guys like him, I mean Russell Wilson is one of those. Baker Mayfield going number one overall. Like it's not you don't have to be the prototypical six foot four, two hundred and thirty-five pound drop back passer anymore. Like you can go number one overall if if you have a little different style of game. If I wore lifts in my shoe, you think anybody would notice? No, I mean all of them do it. Tom Cruise does it. Don't they have they have like the heels of their shoes are like four inches deep? Have you ever seen that? Yeah, well I saw old Bob uh whenever he was filming the Irishman. He he they showed a clip oh. of him walking around Ooh. town. He had uh, three Bibles underneath his feet. <laughs> Good thing. I'm really glad they spent seven hundred million dollars so they could use the technology to to transform their face to when they looked younger because that really added to the film. They did what? They spent a ton of money. That's why it went to Netflix, especially. I don't think any big studios were going to pick it up. A, it was three, over three hours long, but this, this some kind of new technology they used to where they could go back and they could de-age these characters so they didn't have to play. They didn't have to hire like younger actors to play a, a young Bob De Niro. They could, they could take his face, but it, a, a classic scene in The Irishman is when he's stomping a dude mm-hmm. in front of his daughter. His face looks young, but it's still his old body trying to like knee the guy in the head or kick him in the head. And and a lot of people pointed that out to me. A lot of people said that CGI that was that was worth seven hundred million didn't really fucking pan out. Bro. Yeah, like that face may look like a younger Bob De Niro, but those joints look like eighty two year old Bob De Niro. <laughs> those stomps look like a senior citizen. I mean, the face maybe looks like he's forties uh, or something like that, but those stomps look like a senior. Um. I got influenced, though. There was an influencer uh, video while I was scrolling earlier. It was for lifts. Huh. Oh, it was. Yeah. Why do you, how, how tall do you want to be? I had said it would give me two inches. I'd be 6'4 if I get to that. I'd be a monster of a man. Slinging the rock. 6'4. I'm a quarterback in the NFL all of a sudden. <laughs> well, you, maybe Something it'll funny? help for your uh, Aussie Rules football. 
Oh. Oh. Is that illegal for quarterbacks to wear it during the game? Like, hey, Tua, people say maybe he's not tall enough. Kyler, Baker, Drew. See over the line. But in these uh, influencer uh, little lifts there, you, you'll be a good – they said you can you can go run, you can do physical activities on the, the video. They, they would never lie to me. They're influencers. Yeah. Call Seacrest. Doesn't he wear them? Oh, yeah. That guy, he's got what, all the money? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, he does, man. All the money. Doesn't have any kids right now, I don't think, that he has to take care of. So, like, he has all the money, and he has a lot of it probably saved. Yeah, but that's not fun. Well, I'm sure he has nice houses and cars and whatever he wants. But, yeah, that dude's been working forever, and he has 9,000 jobs. What you, he took Dick uh, Clark stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, that's once a year. No, but, like, Dick Clark Productions. I think he's, like. Oh, oh it did? I think he was, like, the, the guy. He does a radio show. You know he still does a radio show every morning? Yeah, for KISS FM. Took, it, took Casey Kasem's role, too, the top 40 on the weekends. How does he do that, and he still does the show with what's-her-name? Probably does it from TV. his house, if I had to guess. But what his radio show is early in the morning. I think the the TV show is like 9 a.m. Is he on like 6 to 8 a.m. every day? I tried to watch that Kelly and Ryan or Ryan and Kelly show. It's very bad. Yeah. It is very, very bad television. It is tough. I don't really think it's for us. Is I, it? it better not be because I fucking hated it. <laughs> Did you like it with Strahan? I don't think I ever watched with Strahan. Yeah, he had, Strahan and her had a, had a weird falling out, too. Oh, they hated each other? Oh, yeah. Like, there's a weird animosity between them, too. Really? I saw him on $100,000 Pyramid. I, I think that's a good show. I like that show a lot. You know, Yeah, Alec Baldwin hosts the show, too, or he did last summer, I think. Uh, the match game. I, I saw previews for it, yeah. Yeah, he had the long microphone thing. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. doing match game where you uh, banana, mm, and then six celebrities try to fill in what the next word is, and then the person has to match them, you know what I mean? Would that be banana peel? That'd be your answer. Split, maybe. That's his answer. Split. I was going peel, too. You're going peel? Mm-hmm. Banana slip. I was going banana peel as well because I thought of Mario Kart. Zito probably wouldn't be good at the game, huh? Oh, come on. Zito, as a player on that game, would That's- be awesome. Yes. Banana fruit. <laughs> yes. It's a fruit. Write it down. All right, we're getting out of here. AJ, this show, uh, this show's over. What do we got tomorrow? Anybody? No, we don't have a show tomorrow. We're back on Thursday. Why yes, we are. TJ Lang, I think, is joining us. Good. good. It'll be good to have TJ on. He's good. He said you were diabolical as well. No, he didn't. Yeah, I did. I heard it. I was texting with sitting earlier about that. Saw no, the message. I, I think they both said you were diabolical. Let's get this thing over with. Look good, feel good. Feel good, play good. Play good, pay good. Pay good, live good. Live good, die good. Sorry for interrupting this <laughs> fabulous conversation. I mean, we were really talking good. Mm-hmm. Huh? Oh, yeah. Hey, I was proud of what we were talking yeah, great stuff. I mean, you're not going to hear that anywhere else. I was like, you know what? Those guys right there, the way they're talking, good. You know? I Re- hear you. Really good. Um, with the ever-increasing number of makes of cars, you know? Mm-hmm. You got Fiat. Sure. Kia. Yeah. Hyundai. Yep. Honda. Mm-hmm. Jeep. Yeah. GM. Yeah. Yuka. No, I miss it. Chevrolet. Chevy. Ford. Yeah. Cadillac. list goes on and on. Genesis. Uh, Eagle. Lincoln. Saturn. Ferrari. Tesla. Lamborghini. Audi. Uh, Volvo. Beamer. (laughs) Mercedes. Did you already use that? No. But I was just in Germany, though. That's like, in in my head, I couldn't. Maserati. Uh, Go to Italy. Ferrari. Lambo. Anyways, there is a never-ending number of car mix these days 
and models. Now let's go. Pacifica, <laughs> Civic, <laughs> Wrangler, Camry, Yukon, Escalade, Sport. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. It is now impossible to stock all of the parts you could potentially need for a car in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Excuse me, is your car the Odyssey LX, PX, DX, OX, or EX? It's like, I don't know. I fucking bought it two years ago. They're like, well, what type of thing is this? It's kind of an intimidating thing because you feel like an idiot because you don't know every single thing about your car, which is what the people at the chain storefront need. And all they're going to do is type it into their little computer and they're only going to be able to offer you whatever they have in the store. And that's why Rock Auto is a very, rockauto.com is a very different operation. They have everything your car could potentially need and it's very easy to utilize. Rockauto.com is a family business business serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds and hundreds of manufacturers they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet for your damn car everything you could possibly need rockauto.com has your traditional chain storefront just can't have everything that they have at rockauto.com best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the same damn parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck write mcafee in there hey how'd you hear about us box so they know that we sent you that's right mcafee in there hey how'd you find out about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car could ever need right now at rockauto.com all right can't thank you enough for listening if you could tweet a hashtag this is where i'm at pat Show me the space that you're living in, hanging out in, and hopefully powering through this thing with all of us together. You know, I think this is a massive kick in the sack to everybody. And when this is over, I think we're all going to enjoy life and appreciate life a little bit more. I know I am. Uh, send me where you're, you're set up at. Hashtag this where I'm at, Pat. Zito will be scrolling through, giving out merch to people. You've already given out over, I think, like 250 shirts or something like that. Um, and we'll keep it going. Last night, I attempted to eat a uh, the McDonald's tray challenge that was tweeted about. Three double quarter pounders with cheese. One quarter pounder with cheese. Two 10-piece McNuggets. Two medium fries. And four... Soft drinks. Four soft drinks added up to a gallon, I believe. I chose unsweet tea. I got those almost done, but boy, that food. <laughs> you can go check it out, youtube.com forward slash the Pat McAfee Show. Just know that towards the end of it, you might hear me puke all over the place. All right. Have a great day. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Ty, please play some independent music. <laughs>